Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here we go on a Friday. That was a weird start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we Are go. You, you sound like an old Victorian Here child. we go. <laughs> Here we go on a Friday. What's up, everybody? It's Cody Ingold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. Coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, little Club 610. Got Scott Reese, sports director over at KCTV5, joining us. Guess I should have taken a sip of water right New before. New person in the club. Yeah, we haven't had Scott on the show before. He's still somewhat new to the KC area. He's been here, I don't remember, it's a couple of years ago now? A year and a half? Yeah. Newish, right after Danny Welniak left, our good friend over at KC, or now at the KC Current. Um, yeah, so right after that or so, that feels right. Yeah, I was on with Scott last week on, on Channel 5. We were talking a little bit. I'm like, yeah, we haven't had you in studio before. Let's do it. So he's coming in on Friday, uh, which is now today. And looking forward to, to getting to know him a little bit more uh, with our audience and uh, get his perspective also on a little college football. He called games for Stanford a couple years ago as well. So looking forward to having Scott join us on the show at some point uh, today as well. We'll obviously get back into some of the stadium conversations, both with Scott and otherwise. I saw some stuff come out of Nashville uh, today with uh, them breaking down on their stadium. If you're wondering what it looks like to have a brand new $2.1 billion stadium plan versus a $800 million renovation, just take a peek over at Nashville and see what's going on there. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, Obviously, because it's a brand new stadium and it costs $2 million. So, of course, it looks cool. Can we start with the most important thing? I don't think in the history of this show we've ever led with this, <laughs> but screw it. Let's do it this time. How about those ruse? You doubted, Gold. Oh, sitting on the show, be like, oh, what if I faded you? What if That's I bet against about. you? And that I said, is... fine, then take my action instead of me taking my money to the sports wagering websites and we'll just bet against each other. Brew's a four and a half point underdog at tip. I only got them at, at they were three and a half when I bet you. They were plus 200 by the time tip it. And I didn't even want, I just wanted them straight up on the money line. And what did the Ruse do? Win by 15. 
beat the hell out of Denver. Crushed them in the second half. You Venmoed me with eight minutes to go in I the did. game. I did. You didn't even have to wait till I, the end. It was over. I didn't. Look, the uh, the bet was more about wanting to bet against you than it was wanting to bet against the, the, ruse. the ruse. It was the fact uh, that you wanted to bet betting something. Betting against the ruse is betting against me. You know, it's the uh, same. Yeah. So you're rocking the, the uh, UMKC, the old school UMKC uh, logo and yeah. everything that you got there. No, they got the win. You know, look, the, the Pioneers, the last time I ever backed the Denver Pioneers, you know? <laughs> That's it's it la- for you. It's the last you're time. Never them again? The last time I ever backed the Denver. They had a season. And low offensive output. Not that we need to spend too much time on it, but just for perspective on everything. They were terrible. They but were you know, awful. the Roos started one for eight from the field yeah. and still had the lead mm-hmm. by half mm-hmm. and then cruised in the second half. Mm-hmm. I want to point out, I know uh, you know, you you host a sports wagering show on Saturdays. We talk yes. about wagering on the show. I don't know if you know this. I just want to give you a little nugget. You know, a little nugget for the people who like to wager on UMKC <laughs> okay. is six straight road covers against the spread. And are ten and one against the spread in their last eleven games. No one's better to bet on than the Roos. <laughs> you be cleaning up. You're betting on somebody the somebody on the backside. Somebody who's not talking about this is winning a lot of money on the Roos. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's there probably is some sharp because I'm always like, is there a single person on earth who's just been betting all eleven of these games? But you know it is gold. People do find the little niche win that seems to be going somewhere. And right now, Jim Casey, winners of five in a row. Currently tied for the second seed in the Summit League. They got a real chance to go to the tournament for the first time in my life where it's actually realistic. Like, yeah, it's they not, can win it's their, not a uh, long shot. They, they could win their conference tournament, Cody. That's what they have to do, as we know, to get in. Well, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No, I, look, you know, senior night. Senior night for Denver. I think it's time it. to find new new coaching in Denver, you know? Wow, you're calling for a yeah. coaching change in Denver? Yeah. Like Do you even know what their head coach's name is? I don't. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, nobody should know it at this point in time. That was an abysmal effort from his team on senior night. Mm. Also, you're... poor turnout. What kind of support are they giving for the Pioneer program? Jeff Woolbrun. Mm-hmm. At He's least the car looked nice. Oh, boy. His, his cell phone's just right on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> call him up. <laughs> call him Jeff Woolbrun. Just to what? Complain to him about the effort? No. Again, shouldn't have down the ruse. What a victory. Of course I was going to wear my ruse jacket today. I thought about wearing a ruse polo in addition to it. I thought about going full UMKC regalia today. Do you get any extra like apparel if you you know pa- pass your background check for becoming a professor? That's a great question. Um, I'd like it. I'd like to think they'd give me a little merch as a, but you know, for adjunct, probably not. I think you got to be like 10 year track or something, mm-hmm. which probably mean I need a master's degree. Which let's let's face it, I'm never gonna get. That would not be a good investment for where we're at. No. What if they gave it to me for free? What if you and Casey offered well, me then, a yeah, free well, match? Sure, of it. course. Yeah, why not? At that point. Someone says I want some money on the ruse last night. Six ten convinced me to put some money down <laughs> on him. I told you all to follow me. <laughs> this was our time. Our time to win money together was on the ruse last night. How about this? They play on Sunday, on the road again. Gets all six Roberts. straight covers on the road. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You guys want in all? You guys want to? You guys want to back me? We can all go on UMKC. Well, as a lifelong, as a lifelong Oral Roberts supporter, (laughs) I might have to put some money on Oral Roberts. I might have to put some money on Oral Roberts. I'll back you, uh, Cody. When UMKC, I'll do it. Oral Roberts ran the Mm -hmm. conferences that UMKC played in for a very long time. They were perennial conference. They were, you know, they were. That was the old times, though. You know, they used to be the team that went to the tournament. It's UMKC's turn. They got a real qualified I hope that head happens. coach. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty incredible if, if, as we all know, the front of their jerseys say Kansas City. If Kansas City's team uh, ended up in the tournament, that'd be pretty cool. So we'll, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, yes, I did very quickly Venmo you 
uh, as I mean, it might have been the under played. eight timeout. Well, look, I knew when they when they didn't make a shot from the field, the first nine minutes of the second <laughs> half, I knew I was screwed. Yes, <laughs> I, I I did know that that wasn't going to turn out. Uh, how are things going to turn out though with some negotiations in the National Football League, specifically with Chris Jones? I, I found it to be kind of interesting, Cody, in the last twenty four to forty eight ish hours that m- multiple national reporters, most notably Diana Rossini over at uh, the athletic now uh, continues to say that there's quote growing optimism that the chiefs will keep Chris Jones with a new contract. And she also notes, of course, other interested teams are watching closely to see if this gets done. We all know plenty of other teams would have interest in, uh, in Chris Jones, but I, I think it's interesting. It's not just Diana Rossini, multiple national reporters have said, they think this thing might be kind of close, and there's a lot of optimism. And I think if you step back and recognize also, what's the reporting been like on the Legereus Sneed front? Uh, that both sides recognize that maybe a trade has to happen, that both are open to a trade on the Sneed part of a tag and trade, and the Chiefs would tag Sneed. And then if, if you hear that, there's no way I can see them trading Sneed without also knowing they can retain Chris Jones. So it makes sense to me. If there's a lot of reporting suggesting, oh, the trade kind of is a likely thing here for Sneed, then it makes sense that there's reporting on the Chris Jones front that says, oh, there's a lot of growing optimism. Now, is that coming from the agent side or the team side? My guess is that's coming from the team side, that there's growing optimism that they're going to be able to keep Chris Jones. And if that happens, I I still think that ultimately is probably the correct path to go. Retain the future Hall of Famer, deal with potentially in two years a a number that maybe uh, doesn't equate to the double-digit sacks that you were paying for, but can you trade Snead, get a second-round pick back, and continue to stockpile young talent on rookie deals? I think it does make sense because, for that reason, and Chris Jones is a more important player, as we've discussed, and there are enough teams interested in corner that those price tags might get a little bit high. The thing I've always held hope on in Chris Jones is because you've made a fair point on if you're going to make me guess if he still gets this deal done, even though the reporting is like, oh, there's more optimism. I kind of remember some of that porting last year, and the same thing applies. If you didn't want to pay him last year, now why are you doing it? Other than it's what I've said, like all in on the three-peat, or Chris Jones is willing to take the number he was asking for last year, even though the cap jump would imply the fact that there could be more money somewhere else. Like, I was just trying to guess. Like, so I was, uh, I was, I told you on uh, Wednesday, I went to go play Meat Bingo with Pete Sweeney. Excuse me? We went to Kelly's down meat, in Westport. Meat, meat bingo. bingo. So, like, you know, you play bingo, and it'd be like, hey, up for this one is two chimichurri steaks and a pork tenderloin. And if you win the game that they're playing, you get to take home the meat. Is this a popular thing? I mean, it sounds interesting. Once a month on Wednesdays. Dude, it's fantastic. It's just a, it's an excuse to just, like, so hang out like, at Kelly's, so have you, a drink, and then try to win meat bingo. So you go home, and, and Emma says, hey, what are we having for dinner? Oh, I just won a couple fillets. There were fillets up like ribeyes as well. I didn't okay. win anything this time. Pete was one number away, but it didn't happen. But we were talking about the deals for, like, we were talking about the deals for, like, Chris Jones and LeJerry Sneed. He said, he had told me, he's like, I still kind of think if you made me bet right now, I bet neither would end up with the Chiefs. And then I was trying to ask myself which end of this, and I think I'm in the same camp. Not that I don't think the Chris Jones deals get done, but if you made me guess right now, if they get either of them signed, I'll guess no, because history would tell me they haven't got any of these Bigger contract sign unless it's Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. Look, I have plenty of faith in what Brett Veach will do. I think he's earned that uh, based off of the success that he has had. He's the best general manager in football. But I'll, I'll be honest, I would be very concerned if you told me that both ended up not on this roster next year. I don't think you can let that happen. 
to me, if you're going to tell me they don't get something done with Chris Jones, well, then just tag Snead and, and, and go ahead and work out a long-term deal with him. I think it would be a mistake to tag him, trade Snead, and then also lose Chris Jones. I, I don't believe you trade LeJarrius Snead unless you know you're retaining Chris Jones. That, that, to me, is a massive mistake. You think so? I think you can live without both. It's the same thing. $30 million? I don't know. I get a couple of nice players $30 million. I could probably figure out what to do with Chris Jones' money. And we're already talking about how they can develop corners. Like, I I prefer Chris Jones be here. I guess I should say that. I prefer Chris Jones be here. But I'm also not going to lose my mind if they let both walk and tell me they got a plan. I think I just have to have, I have, to have one of them back. Like, I don't think you – I mean, you, you're, you're going to lose two of the, your top three defensive players in the same offseason. I, I mean, I, in, in one of them, I guess you would get a second-round pick for. Um, I, I just don't believe that both – uh, cannot be on this team this upcoming season. I think you can live with, I don't, again, it would not be my play. I, I would have paid Chris Jones. I told you I'd have traded Chris Jones if you weren't going to pay him last year, but I would have paid Chris Jones last year. He's been their most important player on defense for years. The question is always the age, the things you've pointed out about Aaron Donald and all those things. And it's just like, if you're, so it's always going to be a risk. I think Jones is a bigger risk financially, not just from the dollar sense, but just from like a, positional value and age and all those things. And look, there'll be some regular season games where Chris Jones takes off, not just because he's holding out or whatever, but because at least on, you know, like from like age position hurt, like it's just more likely to stay healthy. I think it's most likely scenario is neither. Second, most likely scenario is Jones. No Sneed. Third, most likely scenarios, Sneed, no Jones. And least likely scenario for me is both guys are in Kansas City. Do you agree that this particular scenario that I'm about to bring up is kind of off the table? And that is that Snead just plays on the tag. At one point, I thought, you know, up two months ago that that was a possibility. Like, hey, they'll just tag him, Cody, yeah. and they'll let him play at 19 plus million dollars. I don't I think it's pretty clear now that that's not going to happen. I don't like, think they want it's, to eat the full they, 19. It's based off of, or trade. Yeah. yeah, based off of the reporting, it's, hey, we're tagging him. We're letting him look around. We're going to look around maybe a little bit. Um, and we still would like to get a long-term deal done. Otherwise, we're trading him. I, I don't think he's playing at the $19.8 million number. So that that is the one scenario I think we can put off the table, which is, oh, he just plays it out on the tag. It seems like the least likely. I think that's why they're holding out on the tag. I do think they would still tag him. I don't think here's the still like, tag him, but yeah, with the trade. idea of getting a, a deal done, if not trade him before the draft, I would. So when you said, Hey, you can't start next season with neither of these guys in the team. And, and I'm saying you, you can, you got to work it away, but there's a way in which I'd be confident. You can't let both go for free. I'm very confident in. You can't just be like, well, we'll take the comp pick for both of you. Enjoy your free time. Well, I think that's why, that's they're why ta- the tag thing for Snead is, is so likely. They know they could have got what if, if Snead just walked and they didn't tag him. Uh, what a third round comp pick in 2025, I think was what I yeah. saw. So they know at minimum that's as high as you can get. So, well, no, I so that they know they can just get with not even tagging them. That's why I think they're tagging them. They potentially can get a second round pick for Legereus Neat, or they can work out a long term deal. The question of working out a long term deal to me will just come down to what they're able to get done with Chris Jones or not get done with Chris Jones. Remember that the actual official tag deadline is four days away. Yeah, and the biggest difference between these two players right now is LeJerry Sneed has never gotten a check. Not a single one from the end. I mean, he's made like $5 million, right? I mean, he was a fourth-round rookie. He's only played on his rookie deal. He hasn't made any money by NFL standards. Sure, for me or you, I guess I'd take it over a four-year run. But yeah. by NFL standards, he's never gotten the check. 
Chris Jones has already gotten the check once. That's what I do think makes his deal easier to negotiate if you're the Chiefs. Like, if you're trying to, like, finagle some money on the front or the back or the signing bonus or the, you know, like, there's a lot more wiggle room in the, hey, can you help us out a little here or a little there for Chris Jones because he's gotten a big payday before. Lachier since never gotten paid. He's got to view this, especially because corners are the second most likely position to me other than running back to fall off the face of the planet out of nowhere, he's got to make sure he gets his one big payday. And I don't I don't blame him for that. Get your one big payday. $19 million would be four times more than he's made his entire NFL career just be, a player under the tag. It would be, and that's, that's what I wonder, too, the, the reason why there seems to be some mutual agreement, at least why a trade could be explored. You know, you, you sometimes want to find out what your value is. Sometimes we view it on the free agent market. Hey, go, if you're Chris Jones, find out what you're worth on the free agent market. In this case, if you're Sneed, Kind of find out what you're worth on the trade market. What what do other teams think you're worth as well? Maybe yeah. maybe you realize that the potential deal the Chiefs are willing to do with Snead. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's not that bad of a deal. Maybe it is. I don't know the answer to that. But what are other teams offering? Not just the Chiefs, of course, have to agree to the pick compensation. But does your agent, if you're Legarius Snead, has he found a much better deal than what the Chiefs are willing to offer on a long term deal? My guess is probably that they can find somewhat of a better deal. Uh, elsewhere, because the Chiefs, I, I think there's been a clear reluctance, with the exception of Mahomes, Kelsey, basically, to pay the top dollar at your position. And Jones, we're going to find out if he's also the exception to the rule. This always comes back down to the ring thing, too, where does it make it easier to leave knowing you've got all those in your back pocket, or does it make you really want to stay? I feel like it's it's somewhere in the middle when you're in the middle of back-to-back. If this were a year removed from a Super Bowl and you're like, I got two rings and it's time to get paid, it's easier to just be like, eh, I've done the success thing and that's cool and I hope to do that in my next spot. I'm going to help them do that, but I'm going to go make sure I get paid and then I'll try to bring them back to the winning ways versus it's a little harder in this exact scenario because you're not just leaving a place in which you have rings and are comfortable and are ready to get paid. You're leaving a place in which they are chasing a historical thing that they've never chased before. And it's a little bit different if the Chiefs tell you they're not going to pay you, which I do think is a little bit what's happening with Snead. It's not that they're saying they're not going to pay him. They're just like, we're not going to pay you what you want. <laughs> you know, we're going to pay you that number. That's crazy. So go find your number. Go see what another team will pay you. We'll see if we can get the compensation worked out for a second round pick. And that's it. So you think I'm going to guess I ranked mine out based on the way you're talking. Your most likely scenario is Jones. No Snead. Correct. Your second most likely scenario is Sneed, no Jones? Correct. Then neither, and then both, or both and then neither? Right, both, really aren't, both aren't being on this. Both aren't on this team next year. Okay, so you I mean, it's I just, more likely to kind neither, of eliminate right? that. I just don't, I don't believe they're signing Chris Jones long-term and signing Sneed long-term. I just don't see that happening. No part of their history has suggested they would do that. And generally speaking, that's just not the case. We went over the list yesterday. You as a Chiefs fan should not get upset. There's going to be... 12, 15 names of players you really liked. You're like, oh, they were a good player. What are they going to do without, you know, Willie Gibbs is a good player. Tommy Townsend was a good player. They're, oh, Creed Humphrey. You know, like, there's going to be people that walk out of this door. Very talented players. Just, very, yeah. yeah that are going to go be starters for big money for other teams, especially if Brett Veach keeps drafting at this level. You got to just kind of accept it. But the smart, they're smart. Some of these are smart business moves as well. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, as low as punter, you know, punter, when we're talking about positional value, what they have done with signing Matt Ariza and we all assume letting Tommy Townsend obviously walk. Sure. Like that's a smart football and business decision. You know, they're going to pay basically a, 
league type of minimum deal for a punter versus paying three point whatever million dollars it is for Tommy Townsend. That doesn't mean Tommy Townsend hasn't been good, but Matt Ariza could maybe be the same, if not better, and for cheaper. Like those are when you're dealing with the cap and the tight margins that exist, even though it goes up every year, if you could save two million dollars on your punter, you're gonna you're gonna and you yeah. don't think the the, the uh, performance is gonna be a huge dip, then you're gonna do that. And that applies to other positions as well. Punter is the most obvious one. Yeah, Ward is, you know, like Shavarius Ward is a really great example of that recently. He was there when when Shavarius Ward left, he was their number one corner. He was the best one on the roster. But not as good as what they have now. You know what I mean? That's no. that, And that's the difference where we, because we've all brought up the, well, they, if they, if they let, if they trade Snead, it's just another sign they refuse to pay top tier, you know, top tier corners. Well, with all due respect to Ward, who has been very good in San Francisco, Trent McDuffie and Snead are better. You know McDuffie what I mean? For sure. Sneed still limited sample size. Hey, okay. probably fine. Had a I, one. I, I'd call those more even, okay. but that's fine. I don't, I think it's splitting hairs, right? I wouldn't argue yeah. that. Snead's I don't know if Ward ended a season in Kansas city ever where we said, man, he might be one of the three best corners in football. That's We're kind of saying that a little bit about Sneed. And largely because of the run he had in the postseason after a really good regular season. So yeah, that's probably fair. Look, I, I give the edge to Sneed. I just think McDuffie's one of the best, definitely one of the best in the NFL. And I think Steed had one of the best years in the NFL, but there's a four-year evidence where, like, he's a good corner, and then this year he was a great corner. Is that just a one-year example? Ward had, like, a couple put together, and we don't know. Same thing, right? He had that great final year in Kansas City, and, of course, it got him paid. 913-586-7610. Someone brought up, you know, what about Dave Merritt, whose name has come up recently, the, the chief secondary coach. We know he interviewed for the defensive coordinator job in San Francisco. A lot of people seemingly have interviewed for the defensive coordinator job. Uh, he's going to be a defensive coordinator at some point. The question is just, is this his time? We mentioned that yesterday. But does that go into your thinking at all when you consider uh, moving on from a corner? Someone asked on the text line. Not really, and that's not, not. not disrespect to what he obviously has done, but coaches do leave all the time. Positional coaches do leave. And I don't think you say, oh, we can't move on from Snead because we don't know if the next guy can develop our next young crop. I don't, I don't think that's how you operate. Like, I don't, I don't think you're thinking, man, man, once Spags loses uh, Dave Merritt that, you know, they're just not going to be able to develop young guys. We better sign Snead long-term. Like that would be like, not, that's not even meant to be a shot at anybody, but just, I don't think you operate thinking, yeah, once we lose this positional coach, we're just, we're just not going to be able to develop that position anymore. I feel like if Spags left, that would be sure. a bigger question than, than Merritt leaving because Spags is obviously the, you know, he is the DC. Sure. He's the guy that's in charge of that, that whole unit. Flipping over to the baseball side for just a minute. Yeah, this uh, afternoon, two o'clock, Royals baseball on oh, 610. Oh, on the air, is it? Oh, right Cole here. Reagan's on the bump. Yes. Coming off uh, another four strikeouts coming today. Can we bet? Can we bet the strikeout total? So. Look at you. Cody wants to bet on everything now. He went. Well, I lost money on Auburn the night before because <laughs> same he, with that meat bingo game. I the, was losing with the, Pete. The ruse get him back on the board, and he's ready. I, I just uh, <laughs> I bet like one or two things a day, not five to seven. So like I'm more of the light. This is my uh, this is my lighter time of the year of betting. Yeah. No, I mean I think it is for everybody. Less NFL. March Madness, though, it's about to kick up, and then you Absolutely. and I are full bore once again. Yeah, suddenly everybody is an expert on the 15-seed blank team out of the, the SoCon. I am, and I'm giving myself credit. <laughs> yeah. the only qualified expert on them is the way it sits. No, but on the baseball side, yesterday I mentioned Brady Singer from a pitching perspective, what a swing player he was. And then as I was thinking about it after the show, I realized that they have the identical problem on offense, as in... Their offense can take a significant swing forward if this player has a big year, and I think they will. It's MJ Melendez. I'd asked Vern about him on Wednesday. MJ Melendez is going to have a great year. 
I'm convinced that the talent is absolutely there. And what has been holding him back for this time is, look, some of it was fixing some of the swing mechanics. He had kind of a long swing and working through some of that stuff midseason, which he did successfully rather than being sent down to the minor leagues, which at the time I thought was the right call to get MJ Melendez right. But they're no longer screwing with him at like multiple positions, world baseball classic. Let him play he's, had, he's just playing outfield. MJ Melendez, corner outfielder. That's it. That's all it is. He's in there. I think the hitting comes along with that. I'm expecting a big year from MJ Melendez. I think there's something to be said for the, we talked about it a little bit last year, the playing one position. And does that mess, you know, with you a little bit? I, I do wonder if you're going to just play the outfield position, which is fine. This offseason, did he, did he improve? We know he's got the athleticism. That's not the question. But there was times where it was a little adventurous, right? Fair to say? Adventurous in the outfield? Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Does that get better now that there is clearly one focus and another offseason of just focusing in on that particular area of his game? I know everybody wants to just look at the hitting, but there were times it was also defensively. Uh, it was rocky. It, it, was, it, it wasn't solid very often. So, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got the, the skill set, of course, and there's a reason why you should think he can hit 30 home runs and, and things like there's You see it. Flashes. Consistency, that's going to be the key. It's been the story so far throughout his career. He's so. just, and I, look, I, I can't, Jesus, I can't count how many Maybe times. Maybe we'll get MJ on next week or something. Um, I can't count how many times in the history of being a Royals fan that you're like, what about that second half? <laughs> so I I'm, I want to be careful there. That applies to the team as well. But but after he made those adjustments, the difference is, is like for an entire team, that's one thing, right? Saying, look at the team's second half, too many variables. For one player, for especially a player who plays every day, not a pitcher who goes – Maybe it's an eight-start sample size we're digging into. A guy who plays every day. MJ showed vast improvements in the second half after he had made those adjustments. I still think 25 home run corner outfield MJ Melinda's there. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to, like as far as futures bet goes, I probably am going to bet on his home run total. Because I do think that it's there and that it'll be there for a longer stretch this year. Yeah, I mean, when you look at him and, and you you see flashes, you probably would say, well, he sh- that guy's probably like a 30 home run guy. Yeah, because when he's hot, it like yeah. it, it tracks. And I mean, the same thing, less pressure he, on him. Renfro, Vinny, less pressure on him in the lineup. I think that's true. I, I also think much like the Brady-Singer conversation, if you think this team is not just improving from 56 wins to 68 to 70, and you think that there are 78-plus wins and having a huge jump, well, add him to the list of the players that have to have a huge season and step up in a big way. So while there's no pressure, if you're thinking bigger picture and getting really excited about what this team might be able to do, that involves him along with Brady and some other guys we'll keep mentioning to have big time years. Think of that. We'll keep talking some Royals baseball. We're just getting started here on a Friday. Who could surprise us the most this upcoming season? And one big reason Cody does not fear the rest of the AFC West. Just getting started here on a Friday. We'll get back to the NFL. Some free agency talk 12 days or so away from the start of NFL free agency. And we know there's that legal tampering period. So really by March 11th or 12th, you'll really start to find out a lot more on potential targets. We know the combine's going on in Indy. I don't know if it's just because we're in KC. I said this the other day, like the combine just doesn't do anything for me whatsoever. Like I, I feel like nothing's really come out of it so far this week. No, I mean, it's mostly just like the goofy stuff, like Caleb Williams asking a teammate something. And I guess that video of Michael Penix and Drake May throwing this pass in the hallway was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, Penix has got a, got an arm. No, no um, doubt. But like, that's, 
It's and like, the rest of it is media members talking about how great the cocktail sauce is at St. Elmo's. I'm sure it's great. But, like, that's basically what – how can I describe and sum up the scouting combine? Um, it's, it's a lot of people making a big deal about stuff that really won't matter by the time the draft starts. And it's media members talking about how great the cocktail sauce is across the like street. Like linebackers running four four forties, Which 10 of them did. So yes. I guess it's not impressive anymore. <laughs> like, what? I'm being honest. So, like, up until, like, two years ago, it was, like, Three in the history of the NFL. This year there were ten. It's it turns out defensive linemen are faster. People are bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, and Andy Reid in an I interview just, this week. Uh, it's fine if people like it. It's already said. I mean, he he admitted that he's like, yeah. The reason why I go to the combine, it's not. I don't need to see them do the drills. He's like, I just want to talk to them. Yeah, which makes that makes sense. But that point being, you got coaches that didn't even show up to this thing. You got some that are there that that have won multiple championships in a row now that are admitting like, yeah, we, like watching the stuff, the drills, I not a big deal. I just I want to talk to these kids in the interview process and get to know them and and use that for some of my pro days that are stuff the bigger matters. deal because you're able yeah. to be right there next to them while they're doing the drills. Where the combine, you're just sitting in the stands. You can watch them, but it's a lot more. Yeah, as you guys said, the interview experience, being able to. Sit down and chat with them now that the seasons are done for both, obviously. And I'll help you out. Breaking news. The Chiefs have met with a number of college prospects. That's right. Reminder, just because someone, yeah, <laughs> like, the, the latest one like today. Maybe a, like 100, mm-hmm. like just so many. Saw today. Xavier Worthy, tied into Texas, met with the Chiefs. Yeah, he probably met with 30 other teams. I saw the defensive end from Missouri. You know, like it's, I don't know. I mean, the only one that would shock me at this point is if Caleb Williams met with the Chiefs. The Chiefs like, should meet with be really the Chiefs should be with any <laughs> quarterback that the Raiders or Broncos maybe could take. So not Caleb Williams, so but like Michael Penix. They should meet with just to get to know them a little bit, you know, just to find out maybe what they're going to be dealing with in the future. <laughs> and they just ask questions like, "What's your biggest weakness? What scares you on the field the most? What kind of coverages don't you like?" <laughs> just ask them questions about the type of play that they have. How do you think it would be to go up uh, against Patrick Mahomes if you had to play him twice a year? What do you think that'd be like? God, dude, I think it would suck. All right. It's a good question. And then they for come out and be like, you know, we yeah. met with Penix sure. and we were blown. They think the guy stinks. And they're just like, we were blown away. Maybe the best prospect since Patrick Mahomes. Broncos take him. He stinks. And then they just move on with their lives. Just openly sabotage other teams' quarterbacks. Meet with Adunze. Like, Look, let's, like, let's. Hey, man, just when you go out there on that 40, you know, just go ahead and, and just completely tank it, please. Be bad in these meetings. Mm-hmm. Like Travis Kelsey, you talking about this. Mm-hmm. Dude, this whole conversation around quarterback. Is exactly why I think we don't make as we don't make a big enough deal when like people are like, well, you know, the Raiders and the Broncos don't know their quarterback yet, but but you know they could get it right this year, and then the divisions a challenge again. No, it's not. You know why? Getting quarterback is like really hard, the hardest thing to do in the entire sport. You are ten times more likely to screw up quarterback than you are to just get an average one. Not like just like one that's pretty good. I mean, that's what we said in Kansas City for all those years, right? We were like, whenever they find one, we always joked and laughed, like, oh, like they're going to find the one. And now, obviously, they found the one, and, and he's the best quarterback in football. The, so, I mean, that was the same mindset we sure. had in Kansas City. Let's not kid ourselves. Sure, but they're lying to themselves, is what I'm saying. And now that I'm on the other side, they're just wrong. The only team to even moderately take seriously in this division for the next five years is the Chargers. Because I'll tell you right now, Broncos can take a quarterback, and so can the Raiders, and they're both going to get it wrong. Because that's just what happens. They're both going to screw it up. And when they both get it wrong again, they'll be five years further down the road. And then, yeah, unless they're the Green Bay Packers, apparently. That's the only team that seemingly has figured out how to take a quarterback every single time in the draft and actually be successful with it. Everyone else, like the Broncos, have gone after Russell Wilson or took Paxton Lynch or the million other cavalcade of miserable decisions at quarterback. Because, And it's not even their own fault sometimes. It is, as we pointed out, 
incredibly difficult. It's just one reason why I don't fear this, like, catch up in the division. Well, there's no fear because the Chargers again, have a quarterback. There's no fear because, again, you have the best quarterback. So e- even if they – let's say they are further back. Yeah, I mean, they draft J.J. McCarthy, the Broncos, which I've told you. J.J. McCarthy, if there's one quarterback where I'm just like, I don't think he's going to be any good in the NFL, that's probably the one I would pick. That could be a first-rounder mm-hmm. this year. Everybody always has one quarterback they think is a no-doubter and one that – they're not sold on. J.J. McCarthy's the one that I'm not sold on having a great NFL career. So pick whatever quarterback it is for you. You have the best one, though. So it really doesn't – it shouldn't worry you, especially since Caleb Williams is going to the NFC. So he's, he's probably going to Chicago. To, to your point of earlier, uh, Gold, Kling is on that train where the measurements come out for Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, his hand size is too small. <laughs> the, the the wingspan is not big enough. Just let him fall to 32 right. for us, you know? 32. Could you like Marvin Harrison be, Jr. at 32? That'd be the single biggest slide. I, honest to God, I don't think we can create a fake scenario in which some, unless he commits like uh, a cap, you know, like a capital crime. <laughs> well, they don't have to worry push, about playing football. Period. That, yeah, that would that would push Marvin Harrison Jr. to something on national television. That doesn't like matter anymore. He, that doesn't matter anymore, dude, though, Drew. He could do a line of coke. <laughs> Live at the draft, and I don't think he'd go at 32. I'm just going to say it. I don't think that, that scenario, like he's sitting at the draft table and people are still making a decision, and he actively did drugs there. <laughs> I don't think he'd go at 32. Do you? Um, no. I think he would fall. If he, <laughs> he, if would, he did he a would, line of coke on fall, a table. He would fall a couple spots he'd at that 15. point. Uh-huh. You know, he's not getting to 32. Yeah, but we, we, the Laramie Tunzel, if the Laramie Tunzel situation happened again in 2024, Laramie Tunzel would not have fallen in the draft at all. Yeah, no. Yeah, that wouldn't have mattered now. I mean, it did then because it they, was were still, they were and, and they were still testing, testing for it. It's just the, now the, the, the like, mindset you know, on it has changed. They're like, we don't care anymore. I just... I. We overestimate sometimes, like, how quickly a team can turn it around by getting it right. And, like, this, what is this? What do you think the honest – let's say 10 quarterbacks are taken just generally. In any given year, in the first two rounds, 10 quarterbacks are taken by any team. It doesn't matter. You get, what, one all-pro per 10? Like, over a couple of years, like, one all-pro, three mediocre quarter, – three good quarterbacks, right? Like, starter-level competency, and six who stink. Is that about the ratio? Yeah, I mean, as you know, we just compl- I mean, there are some years where everybody ends up viewing guys a certain way or everybody's completely wrong, and it turns out to be a much better draft class. We've also seen some draft classes where as much as people were critical of who went first, second, or third, they all sucked. You know, it didn't matter. There, there's some years where, hey, you happen to be a, you, you happen to have one of the top picks, and no matter which one you would have drafted, they all would have been terrible decisions based off of what we now know, right? I mean, that so that it's it's very challenging. We all know in Kansas City, it took a very very long time to find the future franchise quarterback that would be one of these special players. Again, they also didn't just find one; they found maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, so it, it ended up taking a long time. It was well worth the wait. Now that the Chiefs are going for a threepeat and all that. So but. you said JJ McCarthy. If you're a uh... I love this answer for people. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Who's the quarterback you want the Broncos taking? As in the guy you think JJ McCarthy. Gonna, yeah, no, I know for you yeah, it's that, yeah. but I want to know from everyone else. Yeah, JJ McCarthy I, for I sure. Because every year there's a guy where you're like, oh, please let my team, let like my opponent take that guy because I think they stink. I feel like JJ is the easy answer, but I mean, you could maybe. I think Penix Jr. You, could be a big you, bust. You could maybe really? say See, Penix Jr. I, I think it's to, between I don't, those two. I don't want them to draft Penix because I, 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 I kind of I like, like him as a person. Is that or you just like him as a player? Both. Oh, okay. Yeah, both. McCarthy's not nothing personal. I just don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. There, there is an aspect to I, I, Jim Harbaugh didn't 
necessarily trust him to really show what he was capable because he he would have moments where he'd have a ridiculously good throw, but he'd have other moments where he's he's completely off. And yeah, but that, that, the but way that's that concerning Michi- that Harbaugh's well, yes. like, I'm not going to let you pass ever. Uh, yeah, that, that's where I was <laughs> going like with that. it is that the way that Michigan runs their offense anyways is more run anyway, is more run. So it's hard to really judge J.J. McCarthy when he's only throwing the ball 17 times a game. But in the times that he did throw, he was he was off sometimes. And also, you don't for for Penix. I guess the case is, he was in an offense where they threw the ball all the time. He was going to have bloated stats anyways, and the conference wasn't as good as the SEC or the Big Ten defensively. So that that's where your argument, I guess, can be made there. Are the Raiders plus his wide receiver core is ridiculously good? Are the Raiders going to wait a year and just like see what they got? Naden O'Connell one more. Go I think around. they draft a quarterback at some point. Well, or they're gonna, or they're gonna sign Justin Fields. You know, trade for Justin Fields or sign Kirk Cousins. Something, something more like established. That. But yeah, I think drafting quarterback would be the smart move for that organization. But I wonder if they'll try the veteran market again. Kirk Cousins in a Raiders uniform just is, is weird. Oh, I know. Well, I know. He seems like too nice of a guy. For that. <laughs> he's a, yeah, no. He's yeah. just like he's a really. He seems like a really nice guy. He seems very down to earth and polite and kind. That's not. The Raiders I'm glad you've I come know. around on Kirk Cousins. I'm glad it took the quarterback documentary for I, you to look, I'm still be not, a Kirk I still Cousins hater. Well, I was just talking more about his play before. I think I he's a very good quarterback. I think he's a giant dork, but I that's fine. A very so good quarterback. Did you not like Kirk O'Chains where he had all the? Did, did you I not like that moment? It. I just okay. said I think he's a dork. That's all. <laughs> that's different. That's that has nothing to do with his. Football that's an aggressive. Acumen. That's an aggressive. I know, like dork is not as bad of a thing as you could call somebody, but it's he's also leaned into it. Like he's accepted. He's like, oh, look at me, Mr. Dillard. Like he's. Cole's cash. Cole's cash. He's yeah. accepted. He's accepted his lot in life. That's fine. Yeah. Versus like the the stories that were coming. What was that? A uh, oh, that was Stafford's wife who was like, he doesn't know anything about anything that's going on with any of these players. He can't. He can't talk to these guys. He's the old man, and they're too young, and he doesn't get it. Cousins seems to like try. Like I bet like Kirk Cousins was like, hey man, you got to listen to the new Meek album, and he's like, okay, I'll try, and he's like listening to it in his car ride in, and it just seems awkward, but. <laughs> Well, he but took, he a, photo, he anyway. took a photo yesterday or two days ago. He was at a dentist office. He was joking about getting yeah, grills. grills. Yeah, and, and Justin Jefferson resp- you know, responded to the Instagram post or whatever. Someone says it wouldn't be any different than Derek Hart. Now, that whole oh. family oh, Again, this is where it's like, this is where the Kirk Cousins stuff goes too far. Kirk Cousins, a way better quarterback than Derek Carr. Agreed. Way better. Someone said David Carr. I knew what you meant. Derek Carr. Yeah. Still. Same, by the way, same applies to both. They, actually, David Carr might what? be kind of a bit of a jerk. Toss yeah. Darren in there, too. You know what? Just get the whole... They, I think, like, two-thirds of that family's got to be blocked on Twitter younger brother anyway. or whatever, yeah. Like, the younger brother. Yeah. That was the one when... Uh, I think it was David Carr who responded to me on Twitter when I said, Boy, the Carr family talks like they would bury a dead body for their brother at any moment. He was like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, wait, that wasn't a compliment, dude. You shouldn't... Even if it's your brother, you should just bury a dead body. Yeah, that might have been David. He's he said a lot Darren last year. Blocked. I haven't seen him for a while. Darren, I think David also has me blocked. Derek might. I don't, be what you guys, I don't think I don't think I'm blocked, but I don't know what you guys have been doing. The whole car family does what not like been doing, my man. analysis of. No, Kirk, oh, you just said they're a Kirk Cousins. Family. Kirk Cousins. No more Kirk Cousins slander. Say it for multiple years. Enough. Enough of it. Glad the quarterback documentary <laughs> yeah. came out to show people. You've had it with Kirk Cousins. He's a slander. very good quarterback. Well, we'll see. Um, I do, by the way, for the random question today. I want to tease that early today. I got to ask you, so a popular Reddit trend is, am I the a-hole? And I got a specific example for you guys involved. You read me. this every day? Not, not every day. It's just a, it's just a popular uh, question-asking format. Am I the a-hole? So that's the random question today. It's specifically <laughs> something that happened to me today. I got to find out what whether did you or not do? I'm a jerk or not. Well, I'll tell you during the random question. You can, you can make a decision on it.
Okay. I, I need. You have I multiple need, examples. No, this is a Just this is one a very specific Something thing today. that happened today, mm. and I need I need to know. Whether Real quick, or not. do you think without? We'll wait till the Do you think you were fifty fifty? Hmm. I oh, actually man. think at the moment. At the moment, I felt very good about. It. I felt fine about it. Didn't hmm. regret it at all. Didn't feel like a jerk. I sat on it a little bit, and I was trying to decide if maybe maybe I was like on hmm. the fringe. I thought maybe so, it was a fringe situation. Okay. Text line says the reason why nine one three five eight six seven six ten that I'm defending Kirk Cousins because it's my secret triplet. Someone I've got this again. Couple, think if I, you worked out, yeah. So well, they said Alex, uh, me, uh, Kirk, and Jeff Darlington. They think all three of us look alike. I don't see, I don't see Jeff, Jeff Darlington. Darlington. Someone said that during the uh, the Super yeah. Radio row. Someone just texted that in again. Kirk, maybe there's some there's some similarities there, but again. You, you, you got to put, put on. You got to put on like thirty. You got to put on thirty more pounds. Definitely get, need to work out. Yeah, well, yeah. Quarter zips. There's some things that have got to help. Well, I got the quarter, quarter zips. zips. Quarter covered. zips. I'm covered there. It's it's more the it's the uh, you know putting on thirty pounds of muscle. Yeah, that part might be a bit mm. of a stretch. Yeah, um, at least for the time being. I'd mentioned MJ Melendez as it relates to the Royals and the Royals baseball get on the air today at two o'clock on six ten Sports Radio. Cole Reagans will be on the mound. He does not qualify for this question. Because I don't think he can surprise you anymore. Which Royals player do you think will surprise you the most this season? Nine one three five eight six seven six ten. My answer is Alec Marsh. I was going through the rotation stuff, and maybe I'm just too high in the rotation. But you know, look, I think Cole Reagans could come back to a nor- more normal setting. I like what they get in Lugo. I like some of the consistency with Waka. Marsh to me is the guy kind of laying in the weeds a little bit that we haven't spent much time talking about because he was. Sixth fiddle? Seventh fiddle? He was way further down the list of pitchers that were coming up through the Royals organization that people were actually counting on. And I'm not trying to pretend he didn't have, like, he wasn't great when he came up. For the half a season, he was just thrust into action last year. He feels like the fifth guy when, the second you think it's Daniel Lynch uh, that replaces Jordan Lyles, Jordan Lyles gone for whatever. They need an extra starting. You're like, oh, it'll just be Lynch, right? Or, or Bubich is back from the injury. It's going to be Marsh. I think he is the step-up guy in the rotation. And in the second half, again, last year and at home last year, there are some ancillary numbers that suggest he could surprise everyone. If I'm going to choose a surprise player for the Royals this year, go to Alec Marsh. To the point where you think he ends up in, in the rotation or more by that the end, yeah, by the I, end of the year? I think he makes 15 to 18 starts for this And look, team. we know there's always injuries. Like, no matter yeah. how you, you know, every team, there's there's no way you're going through the, you're starting five out of, out of camp. There's no way you're going that the distance. There's going to be some guys that, that deal with injuries, hopefully they're short-term IL stints. For me, actually, I'll go position player. I'll go with Michael Massey a little bit. So last year was a weird season. I, you know, he he got off like the team to a horrific start. Yeah. I mean, it, it was brutal to watch. It's pretty bad. Then in May, okay, numbers improved, June numbers improved. Then he gets that weird uh, laceration on his finger. And just when he was starting to play a little better, that set him back. He went on the IL for a little bit. Never was the he same. Showed me that once. It, it was weird. It was still like swollen like two months later. It was a good cut that he had. Um, and so it, I think inconsistency is the perfect way to describe his season. Had 15 home runs. The reason why he won the job last year at second base was because they thought, okay, he's going pro- to yeah. provide a little more power. I think he has a chance to be more of a 20 home run guy this particular season. And if not, look who's behind. They went out and signed uh, Alex Frazier. Uh, Adam, Frazier. Adam Frazier. Sorry, Alex Frazier. Thinking my name for a second. Uh, Thinking yourself. Adam Frazier. Um, and so I think he's got an opportunity to surprise some people because they got some veteran help behind him. If not, if not, they will go to Adam Frazier if he gets off to another bad start. The thing to like about Michael Massey as a surprise guy is he's probably going to be hitting like eighth. 
Dude, if you get 20 home runs out of your eight guy and a 300 on base percentage. 15 last year. I'll, I'll live with that. And he, what, played 130 games yeah, But he was so inconsistent. Wildly. Wildly inconsistent. But he's also... I mean, a, his on base was 274. He's one of the few guys I felt like in the evaluation year that I'm like, I'd still like some more time to evaluate the level of play. You're getting at a Massey. Not against he could get more. Just I'd like some more evaluation time on him specifically versus just, let's say, hand the job to Adam Frazier. But maybe... Maybe maybe Michael Massey could end up being more of a utility guy where he does still play 130, 140 games, but they mix him up a little bit. The problem, because he, he was really good at second base, gold glove caliber at second base. So what you're talking about is like, if you're a 20 home run guy and you're a gold glove caliber second baseman, I can live with your on-base percentage being 300. The other two parts of that facet work. They just do. Someone eventually is going to have that, like Mike Moustakis hits 212, take a big jump up or Mark Tian or some of these other guys in world's history that eventually it does click for. I happen to think that guy is MJ Melendez this year, but I wouldn't be surprised offensively if it was Michael Massey. Uh, I'm going to go back to the bump guys and I'm going to go to the one and only fan or show favorite Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles is your answer. See, so as a surprise, as a surprise yes, player, as a surprise, what because, does a surprise count for Jordan? Uh, Lyles, okay. So he, he was six and 17 last year. Oh, We year. know, we know. What? How did he get to six, <laughs> man? We, we know that record. Six. What does a surprise I, – I would say, would you guys be surprised if he reached double-digit wins? Yes. Absolutely. I also think there's a chance he's or not a even – sub-five ERA? I mean, he might barely win the job out of camp as a fifth starter, and I don't think he'll – The reason why he's going to be a surprise – so before this past season, the only two seasons where he had double-digit wins were the two years prior. I think he bounces back. The ERA is – is, is whatever to me. I'm not going okay. to give you an ERA. I'm going to say he reaches double-digit wins. He's off to a good start, guys. I know he's only pitched two innings in spring training. One hit allowed. No earned runs. We're off to a good yeah. start to 2024, boys. And I think that Jordan Lowe's, if he can, because as, as Vern said last week, if he can be a number five that is serviceable enough, get through your five or six innings and then get the hell out of there and not have that big inning where it seemed to at least come up a lot, just get in there, do do your job, and then get out. And maybe that's a, a managing thing to not let him go too far, too too long in a game. I, I think that he can give you double digit wins. He, uh, Andy Rogers had a, a story, a write up on him a day or so ago, talking about one thing he did work on. He believes the velocity is going to be up this year. I haven't really seen it yet, uh, but that's something that maybe impacts him. The only thing we we talked about this last year when we were having we're fun with, the, with the, the Champagne Lyles stuff and everything. We we know what he is. You know what I mean? Like he's we, a five we, we, run. We, we, we know what he is. Fifth starter. He usually usually is a guy that eats up innings on bad baseball teams. That's I mean, if we're calling it like it is, that's been the story that's of his, his career, and good for him. He's had he's had a thirteen year career, yeah. made millions and millions of dollars. Hey, no shame in that whatsoever. But we we kind of know what he is for the most part. He's a guy that eats up innings on bad baseball teams. And this year, what's exciting about this whole scenario is they're not going to be counting on him as much to eat up those innings the way they were a year ago. They've got other options. Like if you're not, if he performs the same way he did to start this season as he did last year, he will not be in the rotation. If he even starts in the rotation is the fifth starter this year. He could lose that spot depending on how spring goes. I'd be kind of surprised. I assume he'll start there. If he won 10 yeah. games. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I'm not willing to put a bottle of Dom on. No, again, I don't think. Also, I, as you I know, win, win loss records for starting pitchers in 2024. It's just, uh, you know, no, <laughs> but if he got 10 wins, I do think it would tell you a little bit of something about where the team was heading. Like, for instance, tell me more won, about the bullpen. Yeah, he won 10 games, 
two years ago for the Texas Rangers, who then the following year started to matter again, and then obviously last year won the World Series. He won 12 games for Baltimore two years ago, right as they started to become a relevant baseball team again. In a way, if Jordan Lyles gets to what he says, he's a 10-win pitcher for this team. It it doesn't tell you everything about Lyles. It tells you about how far this team has come. Yeah, that they can win 10 games yeah. with Lyles and that they are heading in a great direction Better overall. offensively, I, I think that helps. Offensively definitely helps, but also to me it's, it, it tells the story about the bullpen. I mean, if he's if he's, yeah. if he's getting you, you know, yeah, enough to qualify to, to win. But yeah. But that, the bullpen, I think, would factor into that scenario. We'll see, man. Don't you remember the one we thought for sure that we had lost to Champagne Lyles, that I that I was never going to buy the bottle, is when he pitched like eight shutout innings and they lost. Yes. <laughs> it yeah. was like he came out and dealt. Jordan Lyles couldn't have been better. It's like seven shutout innings, no runs, and then the Royals bullpen blew, and you're like, well, oh, God, there was two. There was that one and the one where they had like a 12 nothing lead or something and I don't remember what it was. Eight, nine, ten run lead, and they blew it. Yeah, his last couple outings. I mean, so Ugh. he had, yeah, there there were a couple outings where you're like, wait a second. So I, I guess, yeah. Cody, are you saying that he could, so, sorry, Gold, are you saying that Jordan Lyles is attributed to the Rangers World Series because he got double-digit wins and they all of a sudden became a No, I just think that, like, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good well, sign of the momentum of an organization. The two, if you're wondering, August 9th, uh, last year against Boston, he went eight innings, gave up four earned, and the team lost in that game. And then uh, he had an eight-inning outing, eight innings against the Cubs, gave up four earned runs, and the team lost in that particular outing. Those were the two that we thought, oh, for sure, there's no way he's going to get They also lost champagne. in a game where he went five and a third and only allowed one run, or three runs, sorry, and they lost. What was the one where, God, they had like that 12-run lead? That was the one I can't remember. Oh, there it is. Eight innings, two earned runs, and a win. So, look, there were some games in there for him. He had to win his final two outings, man. I only got to six, but he got there. Nine one three five eight six seven six ten from the eight one six. There's no way you guys actually think the Royals have a chance at the division or even winning seventy five games, it's a right? Shot for I the mean, division. But two very different questions, right? Saying, do I think they can win the division versus can I win seventy five? Their win total over under in Vegas is seventy three and a half. It seventy five is not an insane number. Now we all know that would be a twenty one almost twenty or yeah twenty win improvement basically. Yep, from where they were 19, at, whatever. yeah. 20 win, 19 win improvement, which is, is nice. Very difficult to do in baseball, but I think with some of the moves they made in the offseason, yeah, I, I think this could be a 75-plus win baseball team. I, I think they got a 50-50 shot of being a 75-win team. I think they've got like a 5% shot, 10% shot of being a division winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think it's zero chance, but I wouldn't put it at a high likelihood yet, not until I see more of this team on the field. Coming up next, we learn some more details on what the future of college football can look like, what it means for all three local schools, and one thing that might finally be changing about the NFL in 2025. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The pants were the thing we were talking about. And the stitching looks kind of, they just look kind of cheap. Like, maybe that'll change. Um, but they just, I don't know. The logo placement, it just looks weird. At least the Royals got the big letters, remember? Kings of Spring Training. I still want to know if any other team gets to, like, make an argument or plea for that now. Or is it just this whole season of 2024? One team's going to have big letters. One team is going to have big letters, and it's the Royals, and literally everyone else is going to be playing with the small ones. Yeah, I kind of I mean, hope it's that. It's weird. But like some other teams, maybe after hearing backlash from players, will try to change. The Royals are just kind of ahead of the curve on, on that and got out in front of the problem before everybody else knew. They, they already knew what was about to happen before uh, maybe some of these other correct. teams, which I guess is a credit uh, to them. But, yeah, of course, Fanatics, your CEO is is correct. Of course you're getting the bleep kicked out of you about this thing. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing for a professional league to have these kind of issues with the uniform. Something else that I won't call it embarrassing, but certainly is frustrating is what looks like is going to happen with college football sooner than we thought. I mean, we, we all know the direction the college football has been heading with these two power conferences. I know it's the power five. It's really the power two uh, long-term and that's the big 10 and the sec. And we know next year, the college football playoff is going to 12 teams, but there was already a lot of momentum to go to 14 two years later. And that's where we're kind of talking about today the future of college football playoff, a 14-team model where basically instead of what we discussed a week ago where the Big Ten in the SEC would get uh, four spots, yes, this would be three automatic qualifiers per, but the Big Ten and SEC want automatic double buys for their conference winners. So they're like, so, okay, you're not going to give us as many spots guaranteed, even though we can still end up with like five spots. Uh, but we want to make sure our schools and our conference has the buys. The, this sucks, but they can do it because this is the problem. We've allowed conference realignment to allow two conferences because of the money and the money they get is way more than everybody else from TV rights. We've allowed them and the TV networks are to blame for this as, as much as anybody We've allowed them to have this much power and control where they can put this pressure on all the other leagues and they're going to get what they want. And that's what sucks. It is completely unfair to give just two conferences the double buy every single time. I think part of the reason they're doing this is to put value on their conference title games and no one else's, right? Like from a conference title game perspective, theirs would matter. The Big 12s would kind of matter, but not nearly as much as the SEC and the Big 10. I I still think this is – I can't believe that these conferences – and I understand that it's about money and I understand all this. Is there not a single person inside of anybody in college football, especially in the SEC or the Big 10, that wants to make sure that this lasts as long as it should – and not ruin the sport with this because that's where I feel like it's heading. And also, screw the Big Ten specifically for this because they're like, well, we're just as big of a badass as the SEC. You got to listen to us together. How many titles in the last 20 years does the Big Ten have? 
trying to juice the stats for themselves because they never, and I do mean never win it. The last Big Ten champion was in 2014, a decade ago. The last one before that was none in the last 20 years. They got a singular. The ACC and the Pac-12 and Big 12 have just as many, if not more, during that time. The ACC obviously has more because they got Florida State and Clemson a couple of times. Like, you're letting us control it? You guys can't win anything. So now you got to rig the system in your favor? That's yeah. what I – specifically with the Big Ten. The SEC – I mean, I don't care if they get a double buy or not. They'll probably win a lot of championships no matter what, probably. if we're being honest. So, so that's the weird thing. So, one, what you said about, like, you can't believe anybody has not stepped in and said, well, again, the, the toothpaste has been out of that tube a long time ago. Like, there's no going back, unfortunately, to what it was in 2010 and before that. I mean, it's just, we th- this this was the potential path. Everything was headed oh, down Michigan, the minute. I forgot about that. I was going the, to mention the, that. The, the, like, the, the, the minute um, <laughs> the Big Ten just won a championship. Overall, I get the point. Yeah. Um, the realignment steps that have taken place over the last decade plus have set up where we're at now in, in collegiate athletics. And why are these two particular conferences able to dictate basically the future of college football? Because we all know, like, these dollar amounts, this particular season alone, 2024, the Big Ten media rights, average payout per school, $73 million. Yep. SEC, 57. It'll be 74 next year. But it's weird. This year, it's 57. The Big 12, compared to 73 in the Big Ten, the Big 12, $43 million. The Pac-12, we know it's going away, but $36 million. The ACC, $37 million. They have the worst deal of the bunch. That's why Florida State's yeah. trying to leave the conference. But that 40, a four, between the ACC and the Big Ten, a $40-plus million gap that each school gets, that's why, unfortunately, they're able to dictate more because we've allowed it to get to this point uh, where clearly money is all that the commissioners and the athletic directors and these presidents of these universities uh, care about, and, and they decided a long time ago that the product, the rivalries, all that stuff didn't matter because they wanted the money. So I understand how the money in the sport works and why these decisions are being made, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't fight against it. I'm not going to just lay over and die for every single thing. Well, it is the way that it is because, look, college football has never been an equal sport, just like Major League Baseball isn't an equal sport, and I understand that. So... You know, Ohio State will get to have, or Alabama, right? They'll get to have nicer facilities, a higher-paid coach, better recruits. They already have every mass advantage. So then on top of this, you have to juke the actual big advantage in games in your favor? We shouldn't be. That'd be like saying, well, the ALE spends more money, so every year they don't have to play in the wild card round. The second you start messing with games, that's where I have a problem. When you are giving yourself a decided advantage, not monetarily like you already have, you got more money to spend because of the TV rights deal, you get better recruits and everything that we said. But to actually screw with the games part of it, it, it'd be the same. Like, what's the difference between that and Georgia being like, well, hey, look, a strength of schedule doesn't matter for us anymore. We get to schedule Lindenwood 13 straight times and you still got to put us in. That sucks. That's just not a fair. That is the most unequal thing any sport does in this country at all. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm never going to hear me disagree that it doesn't suck. Uh, I mean, th- this is, again, where we are going to continue to go down the path of eventually being Big Ten and SEC only. And whatever they're going to call it, and it'll be a different name in 10 years, it'll be these two, and that'll be their own championship. And then 
whatever the leftovers are will have their own new version of whatever that postseason looks like. That's unfortunately where we're headed, and this is this is where it's at. So you're right; you don't have to sit down and, and agree with it. I don't agree with it either. But this, like, there's no going back. Like, there's like there's nothing. All of a sudden, I don't. You're not going to be able to be like, you know what? The Big Ten's going to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? We actually liked how it was in 2005. Like there, there is no going back. We, we, we did. We, there was a chance to stop it many, many years ago. If, if at that point in time, one of these conference commissioners or school chancellors did it, then yeah, we, we are way past the point of let's make it fair. We're so far past that, and it sucks. So the thing that is, I think eventually we're going to get back to where it was, and the reason for that is because if you picture Ooh. it, I guess as a volcano right now, it, it's smoking a lot. It's going to blow up. Everybody's going to leave and disperse, and they're going to realize that it wasn't that that it's not. That we're going to get back to the point, I think, where we have a collection of groups that understands and knows what's going on, and there's no Mm. corruption going on. But Mm. but it might. I would love to be as optimistic as you. I I I would love for that to happen. I just I think that's. But it's going to take what you're saying for the SEC and the Big Ten to leave. Because that is going to it's going to happen. But then it won't be the same as it was, though, because it, you're right. Like there, there will still be some other grouping of con- like nobody's saying that the schools that are not going to be are just never going to play football again. Of course, not. there will be some form. I don't know what it looks like. But if we know that what is the, the dollar amount is going to be even more drastic and that let's say the Big Ten has 28 teams and the SEC has 28 teams and we call it the whatever division, the whatever conference or whatever sure. conference. And we know that those are perceived as where all the good players go, right? Which is already kind of happening, but still, sure. it's where all the good players are going. Worse. Even oh, worse. Yeah. The NIL money is, I mean, it's just completely even crazier than it already is. We're going to watch that championship game because that's going to be the better product. And then, yeah, why still watch whatever? If KU is not part of that conference as an alum, why still watch whatever the, the other? Sure. But I will know that winning that is not the same. It'd be like winning a triple A championship. I don't get as excited about the Royals triple A team winning a championship as I would the Royals winning it in 2015. I disagree with that because there's, there's going to be all these teams up there who are labeled as better, but they play each other so much. And since there's so much disparity, they're trying to become the NFL, but they're not the. It's not the NFL. You're going to have a championship. Let's say it's Ohio State, and let's say it's Alabama. That game might be 31 to nine, and that super like, like the Super Bowl that that year, and it might be consistently a 20 point game where both both teams are really good, but the game is not good. I, I think so that, that the mean, product is most the product years, that's happening. Most years, the SEC is. It, I mean, now I'm glad they're expanding to 12. But like when it's been four, this this past year's not the best example of it. But no, like, not this one. But but, but most of, of the ones. times, that is true. Like what you're saying, and you're right. We do complain about like that's kind of what what the four team playoff has I, been for the I, most I, part. I know, but you can't say it's a better product when the games suck. No, but, but people I, I, are I, I, but, I, I, but the, people the, are watching. The, man, the ratings show. People are watching the SEC more than any of these other leagues. Well, this is where the only. It's that's all that's put on TV. If you look well, at the but amount, what do you think? You think that the, the other networks are going to suddenly be like, we don't want the. We, you think ABC is going to say we'd rather have the what is viewed as the crappier uh, class of college football? Well, nope. well, that's what I'm saying is that because of what the networks have done and the conferences have done to make more money, everybody's investing money into those. Uh, the the networks are investing money into those conferences, so you miss out on the good. The past three years. The two best conferences have not been the Big Ten or the SEC from a top-to-bottom perspective. It's been the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And nobody's watched those games because they're not on TV. The product is is just as good, but they're not on TV to see it. So as a result, they're only watching the Big Ten and the SEC. That's why they're getting why, why, so much more money. Why would money. that change, though, Drew? Under the, like, how, how is that going to change, though? 
but they have to leave in order for it to change. Here's the but problem. But their games are the, still going to be tele- – I mean, how's it changing? It's the no, same thing. No one's making it, but here's, here's the problem. What you're describing to me eventually has a bubble that bursts. Yeah, it's you going cannot, to totally explode yeah. on itself. It's you, not going to last. You cannot do what you're describing. Only put 50 teams in a conference that matter – and then have anyone relatively care about anything else. So you're going to have to make all your hay on these 50. To me, this is the equivalency of like when people quit watching baseball because of the strike. If they go to two conferences, 50 teams, I'll tell you right now, I'm out. I'm out. Like I'm not going to keep watching a product that eliminates 75% of the entire sport. I'm not going to just watch. Look, if you go to Ohio State, or if you're an Ohio State fan, if you're a Michigan fan, you'll hold on to those fans. But you're eliminating the possibility of getting new fans the same way as in when everyone has an opportunity, every team has a chance to at least participate in the system. They're trying to eliminate half of the system. It's just a bad, like, I think it's a dangerous road they're walking. They're doing it for the gains now. I'm not surprised to find out they're doing it for the money now. But they shouldn't be surprised if 15 years from now, they have popularity problems because part of this with the whole, all the college sports, the thing that doesn't make a sense about like just going for the money is, is that if I want to just watch football, good football, I'll watch the, I'll watch sure. the NFL. Problem solved. I watch collegiate athletes, not because it's a better version of football. It's a worse version. It's a decidedly worse version. Less athleticism, less good quarterbacks, less competitive You watch games. it for the pomp and circumstance. Hell and there's also yeah. pomp and circumstance. And you watch it because it's fun to look at a college player and be like, wow, what would he look like in the NFL next year? Right? Like, there's some of that. Like, we, some of the intrigue of watching Michael Penix play for Washington this last year is like, man, I wonder what he would be like in the NFL in a year from now. At least that's how I, how when I, yeah, when I watch that, a little and bit. Like, I think that might be a lower benefit for me. But, yes, it's definitely in there. That's the same problem with college basketball. You do the same thing. And, look, college football might just do its own thing. And college basketball might be less touched as a result of that because it just it the money's different and everything kind of flows different. That that's my big thought on why I think the Big Ten and SEC are doing what they're doing is they're they're trying to be the good guy in this situation, kind of like the way that I said that the Chiefs ownership is doing everybody in Jackson County is we're trying to look like the we're trying to give yeah. you something. The Big Ten and the SEC, we're we're giving the group of five an automatic qualifier. We're gonna give the Big Twelve and the ACC also two automatic qualifiers, but but we need this. It's enough to say we're trying to help you, but not get it approved where the Big Ten and SEC can then say, okay, we're leaving. But I, again, I, I think Cody explained it a lot better. It's a bubble that is going to get so big, it's going to explode on itself, and it's eventually going to have to reset. Yeah, I mean, I... There, there, it's if you're thinking it's going to be what it was in 2010 again, that's never happening again. Oh, like no, in no. collegiate sports, no, no, like we're the, not, they're the not going to move. Missouri's reset. not coming back to play Kansas no. in the same conference once the, the bubble burst. It'll college football still what it is today is still in large part what it's going to be in the future. Like we're not the good old days of college football and when it was rivalries and all, that is long gone. I mean, they're still having the rivalries now. Oh, but not to the same extent, man. Come on now, like no, not close. to the same extent. Like, I mean, yeah, not, but uh, it doesn't but, mean I, nearly as much. I mean, yeah, some of the, the right, like Ohio State, Michigan, when they're playing each other in the same conference, that exists. But heck, even use the KUMU example. I know they're starting to play each other in sports again. It's not the same rivalry at and all. That might just be a Big Twelve thing no. because Clemson and South Carolina have always played each other and will continue to play each other. And they're in two. two I think it's. Just I don't think they'll big, continue to play I, each I think, other when if there's separation of the conferences. Nope. If the Big Ten and SEC leave, then yes. But but I but I think that as long as they're still collectively a part of the FBS, they're always going to play each other. It might just be a Big Twelve problem because. I mean, 
Michigan, like Notre Dame has still played you. They've always played USC. They're still playing them. And I know they're an independent, but they're, they're all, they've always played them. Like some of those are still there. All right. We can get back to this a little later. Uh, you know, it's a mess because college football is run by um, idiots, in my opinion. But, like, we, look, we can't solve the world's problem today, I understand. But, like, God, they are just, like, they're heading in a weird, weird, weird direction. Meanwhile, there is some technology changes coming to college football, which we can get to in just a minute. More importantly, coming to the NFL. The better league anyway. Screw college football. Let's start with the NFL for a minute. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's reporting out there that suggests the NFL might finally be moving away from chain gangs. No more guy with a folded up piece of paper in his back pocket trying to decide if your team got there. According to Jonathan Jones, the NFL tested optical tracking online to gain rulings at MetLife, Hard Rock, and at the Super Bowl this year. There, If there's support for NFL team owners, you can see chain gangs become a backup option as early as 20. 20- 24 so this season yeah now he went on to say though considering they got to outfit all the stadiums and international yeah, stadiums they said it may not be feasible for this year but it's well, coming so long, it's right? finally coming yeah, maybe 2025 but it's a no-brainer i mean this is stuff we've been saying for 20 years like look at where the technology is at in today's day and age why are we still using chain gangs uh it's just crazy to think about yeah whether it's the note card incident or otherwise i mean we're going to look back i think we already kind of do but 20 years from now when they finally go to these optical track and we're like yeah at one point in time you're going to be telling like your kids even more, Cody, like, yeah, they're, and they're going to tell their kids, you know, that, uh, yeah, there was for first downs, we used to use chains to actually men. I'm like, what do you mean? Actual chain? They had people go out to mid. Yes, I uh, sure did. Yes, that was that's what we did. We'll go, How do they decide where to stand? Eh, they seem to just eyeball it. It was yeah. mostly just a guess, I also if think, we're being honest. I also think they should. They already have chips inside the football for like tracking other things. I still think to solve a lot of the reviews at the goal line. Can we not figure out technology, have a chip in the football that once it crosses the goal line, it we Lights just, up we, red. Well, I didn't have to do that. It just, it just, it, it alerts <laughs> it just the ref. Blows. Like it vibrates on the yeah. ref's pack, you know, whatever, like that he's got over there. Like, you know, he's got a little, the, the, the pack that he gets buzzed from upstairs for challenges or whatever, that the same little, uh, pack that he has on his rear end or whatever that, it, that during these games, that, that is something that gets notified. It seems like a fairly, like, look, you got to start with some technology and get more. The NFL is weirdly behind technology wise, considering they're the biggest North American sports league, you know? Like tennis has eagle eye and golf has all mm-hmm. these tracking capabilities and major league baseball has started to incorporate technology more and more and more and will continue to do so. And the NFL this entire time was like, nope, still got two guys with a couple of sticks. <laughs> They're going to take care of And the sure. chain breaks sometimes too. And that causes problem and it slows down the game. Honest to God. It's like, why is there still like, how have they not made the guy holding the thing that like physically switches it over from a three to a four? What are we doing here? We can't just. That can't just be digital. What point are we making? I understand the one part of it that's always like kind of hard to be like, the jobs. Like, look, here's the truth. Chain gang guy is going to get paid the same right now and still have his job for now, at least for years while they try to make sure that this system never really fails. Chain guys are going to be there as backup, just figurehead pieces that will be there. But this is the obvious decision where this is where I had a problem with replay is that I don't feel like replay gets the call right enough to even justify its existence. That's why I'm like, screw replay, just get rid of it. But for this optical tracking of where the ball goes, all I want them to do is for the most part, get it right. These little, like the chiefs had two bad spots in the super, like multiple bad spots in the AFC title game in the super bowl that were like, God, I don't, I don't think that's right, man. Should we, should we redo that? Or should we take a look at it? And he didn't challenge it and he could have, and there's a system in place to do it. But just getting it right seems easier, doesn't it? 
rather than just guessing whether or not somebody had it close? Yeah, someone, I, someone says the digital down markers. We're not talking about those. Those yeah. happening. Like, that should also be in the NFL. Yeah, it's obvious. It's that, that, that's easy. That we're talking about, like, the actual, you won't need chains anymore. Like, where they just would have, it would, you know, there would, and TV would adjust to this, too. You know, Drew, you brought up something earlier off air. Like, the, the drama, you, you kind of sometimes like, like waiting. So yeah. I'm sure on television they could do some graphic that has, like, almost like a chart that's getting filled up or something, you know, and it's like, oh, is it going to... I think they should do it the, like the, the Yodler. anticipation of how yeah. short you are or how, how, how much you got a first down They by. should just do it like the Yodler on Price is Right, and if he falls <laughs> off the cliff, you get the first down. But if he comes up short, sorry, you're short, <laughs> Yodler said so. Someone says the chains are what the players look at for the first down line. What will they look at now? No, the, the chains they, will still be there. They'll still be, the, well, the, well, still be measuring it for real. The chains can still be there, but also they'll still have the... Like, eventually they'll even have some advanced part of it, but like, yeah, they'll still have the marker of where you have to get to. Yes. Eventually it'll be, uh, you know, Johnny Five, and it'll just be a robot yeah. on the side lined up in this. We're not always utilizing give you the visual cue. They're yeah. not going to take it away. Yeah, we're not utilizing it to measure first downs anymore. That's that's the hope, and that sounds like that's what's going to happen here in the next year or two in the NFL. But yeah, of course, the, if you're Mahomes, you still need to see the, the 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 first down marker to know exactly where you guys need to get. Someone said they need to figure out how to get that yellow line for the first down line <laughs> live on the field. I mean, that's pretty much just a laser level, right? I have one of those. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a laser level. Is that all we're talking about? Like two laser levels that point to the point of the football for the center that go for either side. Uh-huh. Someone you says, know, if you're breaking the line, Tony's not off sides in that case. Someone said they'll use what they use in soccer when there's a free kick and they got a mark for the guys not to go across a certain point. It'll just go away. So before every play, they're going to have to spray a new fresh, whatever that stuff is called. I don't line. even know what that is. Well, they're not that stuff that. that just evaporates and goes away. Yeah, that's way too much work. They're not going to do that, are <laughs> of they? Of course not. I wouldn't think so. How, also, how would it know when the player was down? It's the same way like that they do. They track a tennis ball going 165 miles an hour in the way that it bends up against the ground. Well, yeah, I just well, assume also, they got the technology talking, to not, track it. This is how they know when the player. You're talking, I think that's for you're saying the, the goal line thing, not the yeah. first down. The first down thing, the same way they know a player's down now. They would mark. They would still the ref would still have to yeah. mark the ball, spot the ball. Then we just wouldn't have to bring out chains. They also I mean, the truth is, is that they have like. They have all this technology. They microchip players. They know everything about their movement on the field. I assume they figure out a way to tell if they're down, don't you? This is like the least of my concerns. Well, I just don't think that part changes. You still have to have the ref know if where and mark the ball. Like that's not yeah. that part isn't altering at all. No, it's just where the markers go. Yeah, there's not there's not something where his knee pad explodes when his knee hits the t- hits the <laughs> turf or something, you know. Well, like a die pack. <laughs> yeah, like, that's not going to happen. Let's get weirder and weirder. Trash of the day. All right, let's go to uh, this one. It involves a mom who uh, was in a tree throwing competition. You're like, okay, that's kind of cool. What's, uh, what's what's up with that? Sounds kind of badass. Well, sounds like something Danny Welbeck used to yeah, do. No that's kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Whole guest. Well, a, a woman in Ireland lost money because of this competition. In fact, she How lost so? eight hundred thousand dollars because she had an injury lawsuit stemming from a car crash. And then photos popped up showing her recently launching a Christmas tree during a holiday competition. She won the event. Problem is she sued an insurance agency back then in 2017 uh, during the, the car crash. And, of course, claimed that she was suffering injuries and was limiting her ability uh, you know, to, to work and to do other Living things. Living in constant pain, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, makes sense. That happens. Um, problem is when you're throwing trees, suddenly not going to really buy that you... 
have some physical limitations. $800,000 disability? The competition involves people throwing roughly five-foot spruce trees as far as they're able to. She denied that she faked her injuries while in court, saying she was trying to live a normal life. Uh, we don't have any resolution on this. Reached out to her attorneys, according to Fox News, and did not immediately receive a reply. But yeah, she's now not getting the $800,000 in the injury lawsuit. I'll be honest, it's not a great look. I'm not saying you couldn't have been hurt during that time, especially when you went to court and got the $800,000 settlement. But if you have an $800,000 injury settlement, somewhere in your back pocket, maybe don't enter a tree-throwing competition? That's not living a normal life. Gold, at any point, have you gotten anywhere close to entering a tree-throwing competition? That's not a normal Never. life thing. I didn't know where you go to just throw trees. I, I, I know there's axe throwing. I didn't know you could just go someplace to start throwing trees. But, yeah, she a year after the accident is when the photo surfaced. You're like, why is it coming up now? Well, the, the lawsuit has been settled now, and they rule that basically she's not winning the case because of this. Do you think we should have a Cody and Gold Christmas tree-throwing competition? With many trees. With mini, mini, trees? mini trees, like the Charlie what, Brown size what, one. You think you're th- you think you're I mean, throwing? I can throw a five foot tree. You think you're just on a regular I don't basis? Know how, I don't think I'm going to win the contest. I'm just saying I can physically throw it. I used to every year, and I'm not kidding. I lived in Waldo. Our house was uh, like two blocks away, two blocks east of like a hardware or two blocks west of a hardware store. And so what I would do is I would buy the Christmas tree from the hardware store and I would walk it back to my house rather than put it in my car. I would just throw it over my shoulder and I would physically carry my Christmas tree every year back to the house. So I don't know if I could throw one very far, but I could I'm chuck it a little bit. Someone says for eight hundred thousand dollars, I just disappear from society. You definitely wouldn't catch me on a photo. By the way, which insurance guy caught that? Just immediately start searching them like, oh sure don't have well, any they didn't pay, they didn't, here. They didn't want to pay out eight hundred thousand dollars, so they, they found I mean they they hit the lottery themselves, that insurance company. Oh, you won't believe this. This woman that's Suing us. Yeah. She's she doesn't have a disability. She's out here throwing trees. I mean, did she win anything for the tree contest? Not eight hundred thousand. <laughs> that would be can, do you think eight hundred dollars maybe. Do you think we can get an eight hundred dollar prize pool for the coding? She Gold might Christmas she might have won eight hundred bucks for that. The good news for her is uh, clearly she's physically in good shape then. I mean that's the positive. Like the, the whole point crash, of the yeah. lawsuit was because she was gonna be impacted by the the great news is she's recovered from the car accident, it sounds like. That's actually great news for her. You know, I don't doubt that she was really injured at the time or should have gone. It was a year before. later she was throwing the, the trees. That's tough. Wait till the lawsuit's settled. Then start throwing trees. That's the lesson here, right? Wait till you get every cent and then start chucking them? Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess let's, uh, I was going to say, let's, uh, let's look at that. You know, we could always use some new activities for this show. Tree throwing contest is, you know, that's unique. I don't know. You can't get that in any other station in this city. At least not that I'm aware of. Just the same tree, by the way, gets easier. Like the later you are in the contest, because it loses. A I few don't needles. think. I don't think you throw it and then keep picking up the same tree. Do you? Well, how many different? Everyone gets their own tree. That well, they feels, probably have five or that six. Feels don't real you? Good. Because you're right. Wouldn't the tree branch break or something? Eh, I mean, maybe here or there. It's just hey, get a good number, get a low number, better chance to throw it further. You still got to chuck an entire tree, dude. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're gonna lose that much. Huh? Okay. Every year, I just have to cut up my tree with like a chainsaw so I can get rid of it. I still get a real one, you know, holding on strong here for a little while longer. Drew, how about you? You get a real tree? Uh, No. uh, My parents did up until I think a year or two ago. We always had, growing up, we always had a real tree. When I moved away, I said, forget that. Okay. It's too much work afterwards. Plus, plus the sap, if it gets on the ground, it's 
It can be a mess. I don't get like it. Maybe I don't get the sappiest trees. I don't feel like I'm getting sap on the ground. How fresh is the tree? I mean, they cut it down. Cody, you go, you go, you go, you go, Paul Bunyan, you're cutting, <laughs> down, you're, you're cutting down your own tree. You go into the, the Missouri National Forest or whatever, and you're you're cutting uh, down I, trees. Uh, I only cut down trees when I'm at the cabin, you know? That's it for my cutting down of trees. Okay. All right, coming up next, though, we'll get to the Chiefs Fred Half Hour. One thing that they don't need to overspend on, and we get back into how we see the two situations with the two biggest names this offseason playing out in Kansas City. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Chiefs Kingdom, this is Mitch Holtis, and welcome in to the Chiefs Red Half Hour on Cody and Gold, every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner, the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Reminder coming up at 1 o'clock today, a little Club 610 Friday on Cody and Gold. Scott Reese, sports director over at KCTV5, going to join us his first appearance ever on the show. Looking forward to that. Get to know Scott a little bit. Talk college football with him. We'll get back into that college football discussion about what the Big Ten and the SEC are asking for and basically demanding, I should say, at this point with the college football playoff and turning it into more of a Big Ten SEC invitational than we already kind of know it has been anyway. Yep, pretty much. And, yeah, it already has been high in that category, but yeah, I hate it. I uh, I know we just did Trash of the Day. I we, we did, yeah. What did you see? <sighs> Reading this headline and then now okay. consuming the subsequent article. <laughs> all right. Elizabeth Hurley, we're all familiar with her work. Yes. Um, she's apparently very close with her son. She was a okay. single mother, okay. only child. Yeah. Got a close relationship, I guess, based on this article. There had been some criticisms of, in the past of, like, some of the photos she had posted of herself, like, on Instagram, where she, like, looks incredible in a bikini or something. Good for her. Then her... It turns out the photographer behind those photos was her son. Oh. <laughs> it's gone a step further, and it needs some discussion. He just made his directorial debut. Wow, what an accomplishment. His mom is in the movie. Okay, nice enough. Your mom's willing yeah. to have us. He directed her in a lesbian sex scene, and I just, What? <laughs> You, 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 do, you were the director of a sex scene with your, with your mom, yeah. and you've already been taking these photos. Like, dude, come on, this is creepy. You can be close with your parents. No yeah. one is saying you can't be close with your parents. This is too far. You can't. Go. There is no way in which you can justify no. directing your parent in a sex scene. That's no good. I'm reading the quotes. That's no good. He noted that his mom, quote, dropped everything to participate in the film, and she raced out to the Caribbean to help once the project was greenlit. In the scene, the two women are shown kissing before Natasha starts to kiss down Lily's neck. Body throws her neck back in enjoyment. This is what he directed? Dude, why? So many other people could have been in this scene that aren't your mom. You could have directed it just the same. You guys can be close. How many people when they watch the film, though, are gonna, how many people when they watch the film, though, are actually going to be thinking or, you know what I mean, about that part, though? Probably not if they're watching a lesbian <laughs> sex scene. Um, so, dude, uh, he knows it's his mom. He, yeah, for him it's a problem. I'm saying for the viewer, by the, the the movie I guess is called Strictly Confidential. It comes out in theaters 
April 5th, Cody will be first in line. <laughs> I'm not going to be first in line. There's some weird That's, stuff it, going it's on very, It is very, very weird, yes, that he asked his mother to, in a film he's directing, be part of the sex scene. Yes, that is And also, weird. just like, could somebody else just direct that? Like, let's say you're in the movie and there's a sex scene. Just let, what, let the assistant director handle that one scene. Okay, it's got a sex scene. It's my director. It's nice that my mom is participating in it. <laughs> just like, Gold, if you're my assistant director, still weird that you're directing my mom's sex scene, but at least it's not me. You know? <laughs> at least it's not me. Someone says this is a uh, smart decision. That's money for the movie now. The what? The mo- the mother's son directed? Just the fact that Elizabeth Hurley was in a sex scene is what you said. Yeah, like, but that's that was a not smart the point. It's important here. Uh, for him, it was. Oh, God. Like, some of the photos they post in the article be like, he took these photos, and people thought, that's kind of weird. And she's yeah. like, no, he's just got a great eye for photography. I'm like, that's fine. And with literally any other person he took a photo of, I wouldn't question this. But when it's your your mom, I feel like it's weird. Yes, that's where it gets weird. Everything, every other part of this, totally normal. The mom part, <laughs> that's the problem. Uh, sorry, I got very distracted. I didn't even know that. this movie was coming out. I didn't. I do now. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's, see, that's what I'm saying for his sake. Cody Gold Field Trip. His for, we field all trip. See the movie together on like a Saturday. I've got us plus one more. I, you know, I get the two free tickets, so I can get I can get your ticket or Drew's ticket. Um, but everyone else is going to have to pay for one. Yeah, please. Go ahead and invite Drew. What's the movie about? Did it say in that article? What was it called? Strictly Confidential. <laughs> already forgot. Sounds like something would have been on title. C- sounds like something would have been on Cinemax a, at midnight. Oh, wow. Now, now you're really, now we're really going down to Cinemax. Um, Strictly Confidential says a haunted young woman finds herself drawn into a world of seduction. Duplicity and betrayal as she desperately tries to uncover the mystery surrounding her best friend's suicide. Hmm. Hmm. Initially, it was supposed to come out May 16th, but I think they bumped it up. Top cast, Elizabeth Hurley, Lauren McQueen. I don't recognize any other name. Okay. Director, Damian Hurley. Writer, Damian Hurley. Man, I just... That's a lot, man. That's all. Sorry. I know this is Chiefs Right Half Hour. You know, it's been a while since we got distracted, not just in the show, but specifically during the Chiefs Right Half Hour. How about us? A little throwback. A little throwback for us, immediately thrown off by something else. Someone says, Skinamax after midnight back in the day <laughs> was lit. Oh. Someone said, Alicia Silverstone chose to feed food and feeds it to her son like a bird. Is that true? Does, does Alicia By the way, Silverstone... that's, that's worse. She baby Cody, birds? that's worse. That's worse. That's, that's great. worse? That's worse. Yeah. That's worse. At least the movie, you could argue it's to make money. You could at least argue it's to make money. On a regular day, feeding your son like he's a bird is way weirder. Hold on. I'm watching Way a, weirder. I'm watching a video. She's baby birding food to a kid? How old is this? This is from, oh, 11 years ago. Uh, um, This is that old? Why is yeah. it? Okay. Right. Uh, but it, I mean, I'll be honest, though. Yeah, I mean, in this video, she's chewing up food and then just like spits That's it in this gross. kid's mouth. That's disgusting. That's where, so okay, so you're saying right now on on record, yeah, that you would rather film and direct your mom in a sex Ugh. scene. Don't, don't phrase it like that. <laughs> no, don't phrase that, it. I'm talking about in this. Then, scene, I'm, don't then phrase it like that. Chew up food and put it into your kid's mouth. No, you. No, no, no. You're saying how, that she she was doing this at a, at what age though? I don't know. Her kid was like a little kid, like four or five. Yeah. No, I I still think. Overall, in this case, he's doing it to make money. 
It's an interesting way to start up the Chiefs at half hour. In, a, in an argument, she's doing more. She's doing it for the well-being of her child, in her mind. Mm. They both suck. How about that? <laughs> okay. I want zero. I want zero of those options. Meanwhile, this is the Chiefs at half hour. You sure? Um, look, I, technically, there's still 18 minutes left in this segment. So, well, maybe 13 before we gotta, the break. We're going to have to hear from Chiefs Hall's attorney at some point again, yeah, too. Yeah, we can get to that in just a second. I was thinking more, like, I, I know we're going to talk more about uh, Sneed and Jones here in just a second. But as it relates to these players and why it's going to be easy to let these veteran players go, the massive reason why you should trust the Chiefs in this scenario is that could they give you more proof of their ability to develop young players specifically behind it? Like I think about Brian Cook, Nick Jones, Shamari Connor. Like I've just like, they have been turning out player after player that by about year three, look at Mike Dana, year three, year four, Turk Wharton. Sure. Maybe they only get two years of borderline starter quality snaps or one year of borderline starter quality snaps. But by the time these guys are actually called to service, they're good. They keep making everyone a serviceable NFL called player the by the time. <laughs> called, the sur- <laughs> called the service like they're doing some grand no. thing. Like they, you know time. what I mean? By <laughs> eventually the time that they're required to be counted on by this team, yeah. they've proven to the point that they can do it. Like, I mean, like I look at where they are now in the players. Like, this is why I think that, like, Caliendo or Nick Jones or when Allegretti stepped up eventually or Jack Cochran. Like some of these players that you don't think of is mattering much for this team right now. I trust that in a year and a half, if the Chiefs are relying on them to play, they'll be good. Because this is five years in a row that Andy Reid and his staff and Spags and his staff eventually get these players ready. Yeah, I think specifically on the defensive side of the ball, I, I would argue. I mean, I think they have shown on the defensive end that they can have a couple young players step up and develop. And you, you laid it out there well. After one Thornhill, then they trusted that Brian Cook could step in. And then I think we're going to see potentially, yeah. potentially if Snead gets traded, all right, it's it's Jalen Watson, even though Jalen Watson his rookie year had a nice season. But all right, next man up kind of mentality. I think there's some limitation with that. I, I think it's more on defense. I mean, at some point, this is not a shot at any, but you mentioned like Cochran. I don't I don't think Cochran's ever going to be a guy that's getting starter snaps for 16 games. I don't think that's who he is. No, also can still, he play, can he play in 16 games and may, actually, Maybe you know. so. Uh, you know, there, there's definitely some other um, – Young pieces on the team. If we were to predict right now, like who, young player that next year is going to have a have a big impact that didn't play as much this year. Obviously, Chamari Connor is going to be a very popular answer to that particular question. Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama. I mean, the guy was a first round pick. It's it's time to find out what he can do uh, this this next season. So there, there's definitely some of those. I mean, I, you and I have talked. I'm I'm glad you're not glad, but I'm surprised. I guess about not overspending on veterans and stuff. That's that's part of what I mean by when we're talking about all in and the balance of yeah. they're they're in their mind always all in, but they have taken a much smarter approach. Like so much of the discussion of well they need to they need to do something differently this offseason than what they've done. No they don't. Like when we've talked about are they all in or not, the same all in approach, whatever that means, uh, that they've been in for the last five years. That's what I want them to do. It's worked out pretty damn well. Like suddenly you've won back to back championships and we're saying, oh, well, for the third one, you got to do things way differently and be way more aggressive. No, you don't. Why would I want them to do something differently after winning two straight championships? It's That's kind of how I to sell out. For right. The third, but they, but they yeah. have I mean, it has worked. Why would I want them to change whatever mindset they have and how they've approached off seasons? And you know, we, we view it as, oh, they're they're more aggressive. Whatever that is in their office, their meetings. 
it's worked. I don't want them changing their philosophy entirely. doesn't mean that you don't attack different positions and how you acquire said player a position. Maybe one year you do feel like it has to be via a trade. Another year you think the draft's the best option. Or you take of course, one big swing like typical. But I, I don't think you, you shift your mentality in the offseason just because you're going, through a th- going for a three-peat. You're asking what's working to, to shift. The teams that need to adjust and completely 180 where they're at, that's Carolina. That, that's teams that have struggled. And I'm not saying, like, do it, you know, like, change everything about yourself in order to do it. When I was talking about the all-in approach, I just meant, hey, attack every position like you have to have it this year a little bit on this end. But I I get less and less worried about it just knowing the development end of it. Because the ones I'm talking about are not the ones that develop into really great players. Because you, you didn't, like, yeah, sure, you developed Trent McDuffie. You took a great player in the first round. He was great from day one. You took George Karloffs as the first round. He's great from day one. You're talking about later the round guys, picks and things. Yeah. Like, well, Lejarius Sneed, I mean, heck, he wasn't he wasn't his first or second round pick. And he wasn't a first year starter. You know, like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, they weren't day one starters either. They had to do some stuff their rookie year. They were counted on their rookie year. But by let's say we're going into year three of those players. I trust the Chiefs ability to get these players ready enough. That I should, like, if those guys had to be my starters this year, if it was Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, and Joshua Williams, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good with that just because of what they've shown in the past. Otherwise, like, if I were a different team, I would feel differently. Say, hey, you sure you don't want one more veteran corner, one more veteran safety, something to make sure you've got the talent behind? But they keep seemingly rolling up the next man up mentality. I know sometimes in offense it doesn't look as pretty because, like, this year they kind of had to do that where they're just, like, dragging guys up from the depths and eventually, like, using Rasheed Rice more and more and more and more. And they didn't have to change much, you know, on the offensive line in. But they made the offense work. That's the only area. Why do you see, remember, the only area where I'm like, they're not really developing anyone there. You are either good right away or you're not, seemingly. Like, Sky Moore hasn't gotten any Look, better. You, Tony you, didn't get any better. But Rasheed Rice was just good. If you misevaluate on potential development, of play, it, that can happen at any position. It just so sure. happened it happened with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, and then you had a regression from MVS all at the same position, which created a massive problem for the wide receiver room until later in the year when they just said, all right, we're just going to really key in on the three pieces that work the best for us. And we all know the rest is history with what they were able to do. But, like, that, that can still happen at corner. They just have a really good track record right now that – they've been able to have this nice pipeline of, of young players in developing. And that's a credit to not only scouting, but yeah. Spags, Dave Merritt, et cetera. This is why I think they might end up spending at wide receiver. I think you're, I think the chiefs free agency spending plan most years, like this year, again, I feel a little bit different about the all in thing, but just generally speaking for how they should work is do what you do, handle your business, let the players go, assume you can draft and develop. And then when you know, it's not working, when, like, you've drafted a bunch of receivers in a row and you're like, oh, well, no one's taken over the reins from the guys who left, then spend the money. That's why you spend money at wide receiver this year. You took all the wide receivers. You tried to, like, let the Sammy Watkins and let the Juju Smith-Schuster and the veteran guys go, and you're like, no big deal. Sky Moore and Tony are going to step up. When you learn they're not going to, that's when you have to spend. For the couple of times you make the mistakes, and again, you are allowed to make mistakes as a general manager, that's where you know the money should go. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll, we'll get to what's trending and also how this offseason now is going to go for Sno- for Jones and Snead based off of some reporting. There seems to be 
a more optimism on the Chris Jones side than the Snead side. So we'll go around and, and figure out where everybody's at on that particular uh, situation. Situationally, uh, with uh, Chief Sahalik, we know where things stand. Uh, he obviously has been uh, or will be sentenced, yep. but is facing up to 50 years in jail for the armed robberies that he pled guilty to the other day. Uh, and now his attorney has continued to provide us entertainment for a very long time based off of what he has said on the court house steps and we've decided over the last day or so to uh, spice it up a little bit more and, and add more dramatic effect i think to uh, each one and you guys have requested some of these so uh, we wanted to play which one do you want to do we want to do uh mclaughlin around chief Sahalik's lawyer sure let's hear that one next okay this was chief Sahalik's attorney on the steps of the federal courthouse from the beginning of this case folks the government has been blitzing and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. The music just playing at the end here for uh, a minute. Mm-hmm. Soak it in. Soak it in, you know? Look, I, That's Matthew Merriman, the attorney of Chiefsaholic. I think that I, I will never tire of this bit. I'm just going to be honest. It seems like <laughs> I, I may never be tired of this bit in general, but I do think that it's important for the listeners and for us to appreciate it, to understand that not just can Matthew Merriman's be in like chariots of fire. And it's mm, like, it's that's the best one. I think yeah. so far, mm-hmm. or like it's the end of a saga with Sarah McLaughlin, but that honest to God, I'm not sure that there's a style of music that does not mm-hmm. work with this. From the beginning of this case, folks, <laughs> the government has been blitzing <laughs> and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today, Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. I mean, if right at the end of that, it just said, you got to lose yourself in the moment. <laughs> I would just like, uh, it'd be a trailer to the entire documentary. <laughs> uh. I, I, 
There is no limit. It keeps setting in requests, by the oh, way. Yeah. 9135. We'll work. Oh, March long. Please. Yeah. We're One gonna... shining moment will be our mm-hmm. cap at the end of all I think of so. This. We're planning on doing this for a while. I, we, we have time for one more to squeeze in. Uh, maybe we save it for Scott. Okay. We, we'll we want to save this yeah. for our guests. Okay. We'll, well wait till the, the Club 610, 1 o'clock hour uh, for, for some more um, mixed downs of the Chief Sahalik lawyer. Yeah. Someone says the 14 different ways he says Xavier. Xavier. He doesn't say it the same throughout I the same I think he clip. sounds like the mayor of Cincinnati when we when we played that a year or so ago when the mayor was sounding <laughs> like an idiot over in Cincy about uh That the was Chiefs. worse than this. The Eminem one was strong there. Eminem one was strong. I still think my favorite's Cherry It's Fire. That one's so good. Like, you don't even have to play the whole thing. Just that beginning part. Uh-huh. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing. <laughs> it just it doesn't. It just sounds. The second the dun 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 dun, 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 dun mm-hmm. hits, God, you just know it's the moment. Yeah. Again, suggestions nine one three five eight six seven six ten or hit us up on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter on the live streams. We're probably going to keep making a couple of these a Why day. Why not? Why not? Up next, we'll get to what's trending and then into how we actually see this thing playing out between uh, Sneed and the Chiefs and Chris Jones and the Chiefs over the next week or so. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending college football today announcing that they've gotten the go ahead to add helmet communications for teams moving forward. Remember, this was something that was tested out during the bowl season. Some coaches were for it. A lot of coaches, believe it or not, were against it. Uh, worried about you know competitive advantages and things like that. Look, why not make the transition to the NFL smoother. and developing players smoother? Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to have that. Also, tablets will be allowed on the sideline and at halftime. That was also something that was tested during bowl season. Uh, and a two-minute warning. That's the part that some people aren't excited about. I, I have no problem. I, I have no problem adding a two-minute warning to college football. College football is supposed to, and pretty much is, the NFL's minor leagues. Why wouldn't they have the same rules? Make them catch with two feet, oh, too, while you're at it. One. I don't yeah. understand this idea that your sport is different than our sport. The whole, Not the whole point. They, they have their own league. They want to make their own money. But in the end, it is college athletes to go to be professional athletes for the NFL. You should make the products somewhat similar. There can be small differences, but somewhat similar. I don't see any reason to not have communication stuff. Next up on Watch Training, the Royals in action today for spring training game. Cole Reagans will be on the mound for KC. You can hear that game. At 2 o'clock right here at 610 Sports Radio. So if you want a little afternoon baseball, I think it's supposed to be, what's, how, how high is the temperature supposed to get today? 50, 55? Today, today, not great. Tomorrow, it'll be beautiful in Kansas City. Oh, really? Like yeah, in the 70s? High 70s Ooh. tomorrow. Uh, today, the Royals taking oh, okay. on the Oakland A's, though, Cody. Taking on the Oakland Athletics. That loser franchise? That's right. Okay. Still not 100% they're going to Vegas. That's still, uh, still some work to be done. Yeah. They're having the Vegas mayor straight up said we don't want them. Yeah, but I told you on that. I told you on that. That's not technically where it's going. Yeah, the stadium is in the strip isn't Las Vegas. The strip is it's yeah, it's its own. It's like the Vatican. It's its own little area. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not actually the. Is that not what I should compare it to? It's like Washington. It's its own municipality. Yes, yes. Uh, Next up on what's trending, the Saints are expected to cut Marcus May as part of an attempt to get their cap situation back on track. It's been a mess. A lot of players have been restructuring. This is a flat-out cut. We know Derek Carr restructured his deal. Saints are in a a terrible division, but their cap situation has been a mess for a while. That was a lot of it had to do with when they kept Drew Brees around the final year or two. Yep. They're, They're proving the case that you can't outrun the cap forever. They were so far in the hole and now eventually caught up with it. They're going to have to cut a lot of different players. 
Saints are going to be worse this year. Like, if you're thinking about who to win the NFC South, I would not bet on that end. Um, just if you're looking at futures bets here in a little bit. Next up on what's trending college basketball tomorrow, KU at Baylor, K-State at Cincinnati, and MU will host Ole Miss. UMKC will play on Sunday against oh, thank Oral you. Roberts. They were winners last night, That's in case right. you missed it. Yes. They were winners last night. How did you catch the game, by the way? Yeah, so I so the mid mid it was on. Mid- we were tweeting each other because we had we had money on it against each other. Yeah, Midco Sports Plus. I know somebody that actually has Midco, and that's how. Oh, yeah. I had to borrow about an old how about that staffers app? email to get it like uh, through the the staff way. That app, uh, it, I mean, it worked. I'll say, it actually had better audio quality than ESPN Plus did during the KU game against BYU, as in it Not didn't bad. cut out every five seconds. Not bad. You gotta Midco watch that. Sports Plus. Denver let you down, man. No, I told you the pioneers. I mean, done with them. Done with them. The Denver Pioneers, never again. Never, never be- betting them no. ever again. No, I was that crowd inside of Hamilton Dead. Gymnasium Auditorium, whatever the hell they call that Senior one. Senior night. Senior night. No energy, no passion. You're no longer a that's supporter. On, that's on coaching. That's terrible. Bruising winners of five in a row. Yeah. As I pointed out to Gold earlier, if you're just looking for some betting options, 6-0 and in their last <laughs> six road games against the spread. They're also 10-1 and against the spread in their last 11. I only bet on Denver just to bet against you. I think we should all bet against Oral Roberts. Bet on. No, I bet on Oral Roberts. No, don't bet on Oral Roberts. I'll bet on Oral Roberts. You're going to try to make your money back on Oral Roberts? Uh, I don't want to, but I'm going to for you. I you have to sell your car because you keep (laughs) betting against you and Casey. You know? $40 at a time. (laughs) $40 at a time. I hope you get destitute over lose betting against UMKC. Uh, next up on what's trending, Sporting Kansas City won. They have their opener tomorrow night out at, at Children's Mercy Park against Philadelphia Union. As I mentioned, great weather. I decided to go, so I'm going to go uh, tomorrow night, uh, check out some soccer. Looking forward to that. They're also one of eight teams for the MLS in the U.S. Open Cup. That they is what's that, trending. They won that trophy before. Do you think this? You think this is the my alma mater asking me for money? I have a currently if my phone is ringing and it seven eight five number and it just says KS University. You think this is? Do they they remember yeah, I still work in radio, right? They say you can donate they, a little bit. You think you think they're asking me to donate money right now? They want you to come in and speak. That's probably the endowment association. Yeah, they, they also want you to. They want you to teach, just like me. You think? Yeah. I'll give you guys an update when I get it. I assume education moves slow, and I won't know anything about my potential teaching opportunity for like two months. I will start donating money to the actual university the minute I'm still not paying my student loans. How about that? Oh, You think because you're actively giving them money every month. I mean, they already got their money a long time ago. I'm still paying for the You're still paying somebody. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Your loan servicer. Do you get stuff in the mail as well? Of course. Yeah. UKC doesn't say anything. They've They've never asked me for money once. Look, and it's important. If, if you have the means to do it, by all means, oh, it's, sure. it, it's needed. Uh, but, yeah, not happening for me at this point. That's for sure. My support is, you know, supporting the athletic department in some ways at times. I you want to be a booster. You want to be a booster for an image and likeness. You can just help out with NIL. You can just help out with NIL. There's some reporting. It says, like, uh, the NIL bubble might burst here in the next mm-hmm. couple of years because there's not endless donor money and there's a little bit of donor fatigue. I bet. Over well, the NIL sure. stuff, it'll regulate. Look, the, the money will still be there. But right now, you know how this works. We're in the first couple of years of the Wild West. So, yeah, of course that would be the case. And that was, and the whole NIL thing was a huge story yesterday because all of these idiots like, uh, who's the guy? Who's the guy who ripped you off? Um What? Ripped yeah. me off. Uh, stole your photo from the... Oh, Ravel? Yeah, he was making a huge deal about Caitlin Clark. He's like, she's going to give up hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, she's not, dude. All of her endorsements are national. Like, all, every single one of them. They're national companies that matter. What's funny? That wasn't the university. That was the athletic department asking about tickets for next year. 
Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, I want to, I want to go to KU football there and play some games at Arrowhead, and they're they're going to have an Arrowhead only package. And I and I I think at one point in time, Mark, that I was interested. That's why. So that makes more sense. It didn't say athletic department. It just said KU. Nice man. KU, you only got to drive like twenty minutes. Go to some Kansas That's games. True. That's true. We'll get back They've into college football. That, in the one the, hour. Then they announced that if they're in the college football playoff and hosting yes. a game, so if they win the Big Twelve this year, mm-hmm. the college football playoff game in which they would host would, would be at be Arrowhead. Arrowhead. That's that seems right. cool. December twenty first or something like that. Oh, they already put the date out. I guess. Well, the college football playoff has its, sure. its timing out. All right, let's get back to the Chiefs here and how things could play out. Well, not only over the next four days with the tag deadline, and we all know Snead's getting tagged, but sure. ultimately we're 12-ish days away from the start of the league year, from the start of free agency. And I've seen nationally from reporters like Diana Rossini be pretty clear that they're hearing there's optimism that Chris Jones is going to happen, as in getting a deal done in Kansas City. Whereas we all know the reporting kind of on the Legereus Sneed side is that the trade's a real thing. Like, that, that's a real sure. thing that, that could happen here. Do you buy this? Because growing optimism doesn't guarantee anything. There's always optimism in long-term negotiations. But it's been, like, not just Rossini. I mean, there's been three, four nas- respectable national reporters that have said, there is optimism that the Chiefs are going to keep Chris Jones on a new contract. And I, I think that's why we've heard the reporting the way we have on the Legereus Sneed front, because I don't think they're getting the the Sneed trade done until they know Chris Jones is coming back. I Or they shouldn't, at least. I'll tell you, that's me. That's a big mistake. At some point, just saying, oh, we're optimistic about it. I feel like I've been hearing that with Chris Jones. for. There was times last year that that got reported, that they were like, you know what? They're not as far apart as we think, and they're in good good negotiations. Obviously, it fell apart come July or August. But this time of year, they were relatively optimistic about the possibility of retaining Chris Jones long-term, too. They've had 12 full-ass months to get a deal done with him, and it's never happened. Right. So I'll just be honest. That makes me less optimistic in general. Like, if you made me bet right now, and they just gave, like, I'm your bookmaker, and I gave you odds. The favorite for me right now would be neither comeback. Because Mm. the Sneed, and here's the thing with the Sneed one that's been very clear based on these Chris Jones deals. They've always prioritized Jones. I mean, they straight up didn't negotiate with Snead pretty much last year because they had to spend all their energy and efforts on Jones. And what are they doing again this time? To say, hey, man, Snead, we'll tag you. Go shop with some teams. We're dealing with a real player here for a minute. We'll get back to you in a minute. I know it's not that dismissive. But they have made it more than clear. Well, one's on Two a tighter sneak. timeline. One's on, I mean, let's be honest about it, though, right? I mean, one's on a tighter timeline. Both times, I guess, technically, last you, year, you too. You know, I mean, with Sneed, they can tag him. And even if they end up trading him, they have they can tag Sneed, which they have. And up until the draft, even, they can work on a long-term deal. And if they think that's not happening, then they can trade him. I, I, we'll, we'll have clarity on the Sneed situation before the draft. Because they got, like, 10 days to figure out Chris Jones, right? Before he's just, like, correct, a free agent. Right. So that, there's more urgency on the Chris Jones front uh, to get it done. And we're going to find out if, if they don't get it done, then it'll turn out to be a bunch of BS, but it sounds like they maybe were closer than we thought in September, even though Chris Jones sat out the lions game, like maybe they were a lot closer than we were led to believe. And it just didn't quite happen. And then he sat out that game or maybe, you know, like moods can't change. I'm not pretending like the chiefs couldn't decide, you know what, Chris, we watch you in the postseason again and, and we value you a little bit more. Chris could just be like, damn, that game I missed and being here with the Super Bowl again with you, maybe there is a little more wiggle room. It's just always hard because last year, everything was the same, except for Christians was a year younger. But literally every other facet of this deal was identical. 
the importance he is to your player, going trying to repeat as a Super Bowl champion. Like, there's no facet of it that is generally different. And so it's like, what's going to be the thing that pushes it over the top this time? Who's caving? Who's giving up more on either side? I'm and guessing maybe, the Chiefs, I yeah. still think overall the Chiefs are probably who has to bump up more. I don't know if it's Chris Jones coming down. Bump up more. I mean, the, we talk all the time about the salary cap going up and how exciting that is. If you're Chris Jones, you recognize that. You are so close to reaching free agency and the cap increased more than everybody thought. Like, there's, you know, if you there's want it, if you want payday. it, if you, I mean, there's a big payday even here, but if you want the bigger, bigger. biggest payday possible, we know where you get that. And that's where he has to decide and balance. If you just want the biggest bag of cash you can find, that's probably not in Kansas City. That is for a crappier team in free agency. You are right. Diana Rossini, our guy Nate Taylor, and many other national reporters do seem optimistic about the possibility of this getting done. And they're saying that gold versus last year. Remember we were talking about this deal. They didn't have to get it done before free agency hit. The Chiefs have a very limited window to negotiate with Chris Jones before he can talk to somebody else. And unlike Sneed, they didn't just give him the uh, free range for Chris Jones to go flirt with other teams. So I do think that there's a higher level of seriousness with Chris Jones than with Legereus Sneed. So I would rank that as the second most likely scenario. That Chris Jones is here, Sneed is not. And then the reverse probably for third, Sneed is here, Jones is not. And then dead last, they're both here. I just... I don't know. Like, I think financially you could make it work. I just don't know why you would. Like, if you're the Chiefs, prioritize the player you're going to prioritize, get young elsewhere, and then you get to decide how to handle your free agency outside of that. Time and time again, Brett Veach in the front office have shown, like, okay, they've been able to, just when, when people were critical at times or when it seemed like they had a pivot from plan A to plan C, you know, and, and oh, my gosh, how how is this going to turn out? And obviously it's it's been exceptional. I, I do think... If you told me, though, that both Sneed and Jones were gone, I think that is a massive mistake. I think you have to keep well, – you, you can tag Sneed, no problem with that. You, you can survive. trade Sneed, I'm good. It, I, I don't think you can have Sneed and Chris Jones not part of the, the situation. You have to have one of them. Like I, I don't think you trade Sneed unless you know you have Chris Jones in your back pocket about to be wrapped up and signed. I think there line. is a part of, like, you have to keep somebody on defense. Like, to this point in the Brett Veach era, who have they kept on defense? They let go of D Ford and look, that could be for a variety of reasons, but D Ford was a productive NFL player. They let go of Tyron Matthew. They let go of Charvarius Ward. Looks like they're letting go of Willie Gay. Mm-hmm. Have they kept like, I'm, I'm just, I'm being, that's a I'm, honest question. Have they kept a single member of their defense on a second contract? That wasn't like a one year deal for Pinnell, you know, have they kept well, Chris Jones? Besides, okay, I'm sorry, other than Christian, because Chris Jones obviously is the exception here. But, like, that's it, right? That's the one player. So, Chris Jones. Yeah. He's the exception. I mean, that's why yeah, I also think. Yeah, that's I mean, why I give a third contract. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's why we're still talking about, you know, we, we, we know whether it's Brett Veach and or Clark Hunt, they have, I don't know if reluctance is the right word, but they certainly haven't been willing to uh, give the top market highest paid at your position unless your name is Patch Mahomes or Travis Kelsey at times. And. Does Chris Jones fall in that same category category for ownership? I think he might. And that's why I think there's maybe growing optimism that they actually get this thing done this go around. I also think it's kind of tough because defensively right now, you have to make a decision this year on those players and everything else. Because I think it is a 95% lock that Karloftis and McDuffie are getting extensions. 
Like, I think if you're the Chiefs front office right now, both of those guys are signing here, right? Just no doubt. So you know that you're $100 million plus in Karloftis, and you're probably, I mean, God, it's not, corners are cheap. Like, I mean, I, I think both of those guys are probably getting paid. So, like, what you do this year kind of impacts next year because both of those guys are getting a contract. It does, but also what's to say that, depending on what they draft this year, I mean, the same reason why we're discussing sure. they might be willing to trade Legereus Sneed. Is it because the drafting is working? You, you know, I mean, so there's, there's a, you're right. There's a couple players on the roster in a year or so from now they are like, oh, they're going to have to pay him. He's a great player. Well, that might be their next case where they say, oh, he's another, another, another player based on the position and everything that, well, he might be the guy we flip next go around. I think we're going to see that happen more. I mean, this is the... It's the good and the bad, right? I mean, you're you're winning you're winning championships. You're clearly drafting well. You got a ton of talent. You can't keep everybody. The question is, you know, the tricky part: trading the right player and at the Keeping right time. The right and, and yeah, I mean, that's the whole evaluation process. And you do it based off of what you think you can accomplish, based off of this year's free agent class and the draft. I mean, not just because this offseason they're willing to, to trade Legarius Sneed. If you told me there was a whole different circumstance based off of what the free agent class looked like or what the draft looked like, that might alter their thinking. They're, it sure seems every sign is pointing more sore, more toward them trading Snead. And if you believe a lot of reports uh, that they are you know, growing, there's a lot of optimism that they're going to get a deal done with Chris Jones. But someone says they could just have Snead play on the tag. I thought that like two months ago as well. Yeah, I did. I, I think that seems unlikely right now that they've kind of already said, we're willing to work on a long-term deal if not... Sneed we'll even seems like, hey, we're, we're willing to, to work out a trade somewhere. Yeah, I think you'll know before the draft whether or not. I just don't think it's going to be just tag and play. Their cap, that would eat up a huge chunk of their cap space. And they just did that last year. And look, they still won the Super Bowl. But if you ever look back last year and you're like, if, if you're talking about like learning a lesson, the fact that Chris Jones got tagged and played under the tag the entire time is why their wide receivers stunk. It had a direct relation. They had other plans in free agency. They wanted to bring in more players, but they couldn't because Chris Jones ate up so much of the cap that those things just were not viable. We continue to hear your thoughts on the stadium deals for the Chiefs and the Royals. I don't have to keep saying this. Yes, both parties are involved. This is not just John Sherman's request. <laughs> yeah, for there's, there's some uh, that would make it think that it's just a Royals vote. It is not. Um. But honestly, last night was another example of why what you and I had said is how I still feel. Got some fresh uh, renderings, if you will, for the Tennessee Titans. And even more importantly, they broke ground on some of the renderings we already saw, including the world's largest rooftop bar. Although it's kind of covered, so it's not I mean, technically it is a, rooftop. On a rooftop. I think rooftop bar. I think it's sunny. Uh-huh. Gold and I are sitting outside in the sun drinking I love a beer. Love Nashville rooftop bars all over Broadway yeah. Street there, but. Fine, we'll give him that, at least on that end. That stadium looks incredible. And I understand that it is more than double. It's about two and a half times Mm -hmm. the price of what they're getting. But look at what they're getting for it. It's beautiful. That's the problem is that I I love Arrowhead and I love the history behind it and all of that. But the more I continue to look at the stadium and why I'm like, I didn't want a renovation. I just wanted a new stadium gold is. How many historic stadiums are there in the NFL? And then you can talk about the Titans. How many historic stadiums are there in the NFL? And Arrowhead, too. Soldier Field, and they hate it. Chicago wants out of that. So, okay. So let's just eliminate that one. You want to be one of two? It's just not the way the NFL goes, man. I was watching that Titans one, and I'm like, ah, give me that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and, that. I, and clearly the price tag is way, way, way different. But, th- you know, for those yeah. that weren't wowed by the renovation, which is most people, 
I, I mean, I, I didn't claim I was wowed by the renovation either. I just, I guess, understood it was, you know, renovation. Like, the, the, the Titan stuff is wow because it's it's $2.1 billion. It's shiny. brand new. It's shiny. It's different and, and all that. Uh, and also, Nissan Stadium is is truly a dump. You, like, I've tru- never been to it, but you I've said I've told it you that like a couple years ago, even. like it, it's just, I was there for the draft. Uh, is it the 20... worst stadium you've ever been to? Mine was the Me- the old Metro. Uh, so I never made it out to the old O.Co. Coliseum. I think that was probably one of the worst stadiums that existed uh, up until the Raiders moved out of Vegas. Um, the worst one I've personally been to is the old Metrodome before they But Nissan it. Stadium, yes. It just, it's, it's a dump. And so that's why the Titans are getting a new stadium, and it needed to be done. Um, and they're going to have it right on the river. Like, it's a really cool site that uh, that the Tennessee Tides are going to have. I think in the 2027 season, it's supposed to be ready to go. But, yeah, that's the trade-off. I mean, they're renovating versus brand new. If if you want brand new, I mean, that that is either 25 years from now or if this thing were to not pass in April, then all bets are off and everything becomes an option again in different counties and cities maybe for that matter are going to uh, potentially offer other packages towards the Chiefs and or Royals. Do you, do you buy into the notion that the Chiefs are doing this to buy 25 more years in Jackson County, and then they are in no way committed to Jackson County after that, and they'll just go take whichever municipality will give them the most money for their shiny new building, that this is a stopgap? Because that's that's really where the problem like, well, I think some of it's the to family Jackson County I, and just put the brand I, new stadium I, right there and let me have it. I think it's a couple things. One. I don't know if the county could get two new stadiums at the exact same time again. We know the Royals are building a brand new stadium. I don't know if the county would, in the state, for the financial means that they're going to need, would do two brand new stadiums at the same time. So, like, you know, you got a $1.7 billion and then do it, what, another football stadium that's $2 billion? I don't know if that's realistic at the same time for the county slash state to come up with. So that's part of it for me, at least. I just the other part is what you're saying. I also think the Hunt family, and you know, we've talked about this multiple times in the past. That you know, does he want you know pass whenever he passes it down to his son or whoever yeah. would be in charge Little twenty bowler. you know whatever twenty five years from now, uh, is it easier for them to make Crazy. the decision to leave Jackson County at that point in time? Maybe, Maybe so. Someone said twenty five um, years is a long time. It is so a like, very long time. So yeah. I can just be and look. You and I have talked about this before because people were talking about like this the airport and the stadiums are like. 1970, that was a long time ago. These stadiums are old. 50 years is a long time. But I've told you always that one of the problem with these stadiums is that they were stuck in no man's land. Like, they were truthfully stuck in the middle of nowhere. Historic baseball stadiums are not 50 years old, man. Historic baseball stadiums are 90, 100, 110 years old. Historic football stadiums are not 50 years old. There's one, it's Lambeau, and it's older than yours. But they also... I think that they just come to accept because Lambo and like, I'll be honest, Green Bay is a very unique situation. So trying to be that is tough. Trying to build title town, all those things. Yeah, it was tough. great. It was awesome because it's in this tiny little area. It's in this city. The stadium just, I mean, there's like a house right next door. Mm-hmm. People rent out these houses, man. And they become party houses just right across the street. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And I, I understand why they were having a hard time um, sorting through that. God, I just, I can't help but see those renderings and wish for that instead. Uh, it's fine. If you, like, renovation's what you decided on. A month on. from tomorrow, man. It's oh. not the reason why I wouldn't vote yes or no, the fact that they chose renovation. Yeah. It's just looking at those renderings, it's like, I wanted option B. Yeah. Um, a month from tomorrow is uh, is the vote in Jackson County. I know early voting is already underway, but election day is is about a month away. Uh, in Jackson County, question one, and, you know, that that 
that vote, I think one way or the other, we already we looked it up yesterday. When when the last renovations passed, it was what, fifty three, forty seven or something like that? Yeah, fifty three and a half. Okay. Is what right. they got for the yes. And it might even be close to that this go around if it if it passes. And you know, if it doesn't pass, does that mean that they're leaving Kansas City? No. Does it mean they're leaving Jackson County? There's a very, Maybe. Good, a very good chance that that's what that means. Better chance of that. Yeah. Again, they might try to separate each other and do their own thing and go about it differently. But. Yeah, there's a chance you could have one team on Kansas side, one team stays on the Missouri side. That's I could see another real. team taking a swing at Jackson County. That's what I mean. By, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like one, one of them decides yeah. to stay and one has a better offer, let's say in Kansas, Wyandotte County or whatever it may be. That'll be a fascinating vote in a month. It will be. Yeah, we'll be we'll be curious to see how things continue to go more messaging wise for both uh, both sides of the the issue uh, as we get closer to election day. Up next, though, we'll get to the random question of the day, and one big reason Cody doesn't fear the rest of the division. Back here on Cody and Gold, coming up in a half hour, Club 610 on a Friday. We'll have Scott Reese, sports director of KCTV5, stopping by. I do want to pass this along, though. A little bit of news you guys might have remembered a year or so ago. Uh, there was the story out of Iowa with Iowa State players in particular and some uh, gambling allegations, and they were not allowed to play football at Iowa yeah. State. Uh, the state of Iowa, just in the last 15 minutes or so, has dismissed all charges with prejudice against Iowa State athletes in the sports gambling investigation. Uh, and so think about it. I mean, there, you, you had athlete seasons that were taken away from them. I don't know if there'll be a lawsuit or something coming very soon, but uh, that's a, that's a significant development. There were multiple student athletes that were uh, accused of that, and then now the charge has been dropped. But meanwhile, they weren't allowed to play football. They lost a year of eligibility and whatever else. That sucks. I mean, and again, I don't know the – was it just because they didn't have enough evidence or did it turn out that they were being falsely accused of this? Obviously, when the charges are dis- dismissed, I am to presume your innocence, especially because you didn't even go through – a trial process, but that sucks for them if they just lost college eligibility and had their Says names. newly discovered evidence. The state wow. no longer believes further prosecution. This matter is in the interest of justice. Wow. Okay. So innocent. Got it. Um, that sucks. God, that's tough. I mean, I assume I would sue the NCAA if they held me back from playing college football, knowing I didn't do it. Um, that would be a tough one to swallow. Yeah, there'll be there'll be some some lawsuit or something happening. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, again, I, I don't know how you could be. I mean, at this point, don't be surprised if that's the case. And it, and that, you know, like we talk about this all the time, there will always be people who do things they shouldn't do as it comes to wagering. And there will always be questionable behavior that exists around it. But that's going to happen. <laughs> like in the it's a smaller percentage of the people than the rest of us that are just doing it under the normal means, I guess, if that makes sense. Coming up uh, in about eight minutes or so, we'll get to the random question of the day. Let's talk some more Chiefs football, though. We mentioned Snead and and Chris Jones, and we know the Combine's going on right now in Indianapolis. And if you're a team like just about everybody in the division, other than the Chargers, you're looking for a quarterback, as in the Broncos and Raiders are looking for a quarterback. So the Combine's a bigger deal to them than it is, I think, for Chiefs fans and how we perceive it. Like, if you're a Raiders fan, you're, like, locked in. Like, are we drafting Pinnocks? Are we drafting J.G. McCarthy? Whatever it may be. And and that's why it's kind of interesting to think about the AFC West heading into next season. Yeah, Harbaugh's in the division now. Uh, Antonio Pierce is, is a head, full-time head coach now. Uh, but other than one other team, they don't have they don't have a single starting quarterback. No, and they're not going to get one. Like, I understand that it's not a 0% chance. Uh, you know, the Chargers did it a couple of years ago, right? They've got a nice quarterback in Justin Herbert, one of the more talented guys in the league, although at some point, if, if he's just never going to be successful... 
we have to have a different conversation. But overall, the success rate at quarterback, even if you're just taking him in the first two rounds, means that neither of these teams are going to matter for at least another five years. The division is, at best, at best, a two-horse race for at least five years probably at this point. They're not going to get it right. Look at last year's draft. How many are you sure they got right? C.J. Stroud? We'll wow. see on Anthony Richardson? Yeah, I mean... We'll I, see on Bryce Young? That's not five years. I mean, I... No, I, I know. <laughs> hold on. I'll go, go... Year before that, Ofer, zero hits. Yeah. Goose egg. Pickett, Ritter, Malik Willis. Doesn't matter. Worthless. Year before, that was a hell of a year. Now, look, I'll say, the, the hit rate that year was way above. Jordan Love, Hurts, Herbert, Tua, yeah. Burrow... How often are you going to get the game? The year before that, one. The year before that, one. It was our two, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. You know, it's just... Well, of course, it's hard to find your own quarterback. I mean, we, I mean, the Chiefs didn't draft him for a while, but in general, we all—I mean, Kansas City can speak to this now. It seems silly because we've got the best quarterback in football, but obviously, it's very difficult to find your long-term franchise quarterback. That that dude, that special player. I mean, Chicago, who has the number one overall pick, thought they had that guy in Justin Fields, and he's not terrible, but he's not, in our opinion, that guy, and that's why yes. they're gonna—they should, and I think they will—draft Caleb Williams because it looks like he might be one of those really, really special players. So I, I hear you that look, the Raiders make plenty of bad decisions anyway. The Denver Broncos have made plenty of bad decisions. The Chargers have. I think they did make a good coaching hire this go around, at least. So we shall see. So if your point is that look, the Raiders and Broncos are irrelevant until they have a quarterback, I would obviously agree with you. I'll push back on like I'm I don't know. They won't. Does get, it have to take it's five not years? Yeah, I mean, I just like they're gonna screw it up. History would say any time likely to be right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like any, I mean, any, any team that has to find their franchise quarterback, it's very difficult to do. I don't think you can definitively say like, oh, it's going to take five years. I mean, if, if the Broncos draft Michael Penix, there's nothing right this second saying he can't be that guy either. No, because if he like, is, then they're not waiting five years. They got a one in 10 shot, maybe one in 10 shot of getting a quarterback of the caliber to actually compete anywhere near the top of this division. Yeah. They got about a three in 10 shot of drafting a guy that's like Derek Carr, right? Just like an acceptable NFL starter. And then they got uh, like a five in 10 shot of it just bust. Sure. Terrible. Bad at football. That's why I feel so good about it. It's like anytime the team opposite you isn't trying to just look for anything like they they've got almost as good of a shot to find a quarterback who stinks than to just find what they already had in what is a qualified starter. Yeah, they, don't have right? the num- they don't have the number one overall pick. If the Raiders or Broncos had the number one pick and we're drafting Caleb Williams, I think you're obviously not saying what you're saying. And the difference is the one guy that seems like maybe at least on paper yeah. heading in like the sure thing, although there's no such thing really as one. No, um, that seems like that's Williams and the Broncos and, and Raiders are not in a position to draft him. I'm just going back through like the chiefs history is part of this. Now they just straight up didn't take quarterbacks high enough sure. to even matter. They were making the mistake Brody of Croyle and yeah. like, taking people in the third or round or later. It's waste of time. I mean, you're just, I mean, not waste of time. You might still get Purdy or there's Purdy, always like, exceptions. You're just, you're talking about the it's majority a waste of time. Okay. Yeah. 90%, 95, 99.9. Doesn't matter. Whatever the number is. The odds of you actually fight don't never take quarterback at that level. But if you're doing it, you might as well do it the way they did it with like Robert Griffin, the third, there's a guy you like in the fifth, take him, but he better not be your primary plan. You better just hope you took Trey Lance. And then you also took Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was not your primary plan. It just turned out you got lucky and smart. You were trying to do the smart thing by taking a quarterback in the top 10. Do you think that this draft is going to go quarterback, 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 one, two, three, four. I think it's a decent shot. The way people are already talking about J.J. McCarthy going higher. 
I think it's obvious one, two is going quarterback, yes. quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if three, four jump up too, I guess. I think one, two, three, very realistically, either because a team at three that doesn't want one, you know, need in their mind view that they can get one later. Maybe there's someone that they trade back, but the team that trades up with them probably is trying to go get their quarterback. Maybe out of the four, one of them's not. I, I think three out of the first four picks being a quarterback, it's very real. It would be probably the I favorite. Mean, one, one, two, I think is just a, a lock. It's Washington be, has to take one. Yeah, it's going to be Caleb Williams to. or it's going to be Jaden Daniels or Drake May. Like, that's the question at two. Caleb Williams is going to go number one overall. I don't care. Like, he's going number one. And the question is, who's going to? And that is the debate right now. Jaden Daniels, do the commanders love Jaden Daniels or do they love Drake May? Or do they shock us all and they love J.J. McCarthy, which go right ahead. That would be very Washington, wouldn't it? All these guys, all these super talented guys, and they're like, we want J.J. McCarthy. You're like, okay, well, good luck with that, I guess. I would not want that if I was the Chiefs. Go ahead and take Daniels, get him out. Yeah, I want the best quarterbacks going to the NFC. Absolutely. Well, we think are the best, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it because I'm I'm guilty of it, too. I'm going to say, like... This is what's fun about it, and this is why the offseason's great in the draft. Like there, there's sometimes you can you, most people have the consensus opinion, but there's plenty sure. of times where the guy that was drafted fourth ends up being the better. I mean, heck, look, even at Mahomes, the Chiefs traded up for him, but not even to the level where he's at now. But even just saying like he would be a you know an MVP candidate quarterback, nobody thought that of Mahomes. You know, heading into the draft process, like this time back in 2017. People weren't saying, "Oh, he might be an MVP quarterback." By Everybody the time was. The draft hit, people thought he started to move. Up, he yeah. started to move up, but not around the not before the combine or while the combine was taking place. The Chiefs clearly did, but not the, the outside noise. This is also well, and I think Sean Payton's always claimed he has. This is always yeah. what made last season so great for the division. Is the second best. I, I hate a little bit that the, the Chargers are going to get to pick in the top five, and I pray that they don't get like. Brock Bowers, Bowers, man, I'm telling you, I think that would be a smart pick. Or Marvin Harrison Jr. because it went quarterback, 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 quarterback. That's petrifying to me. Not petrifying. I hate it a little. But that's what's so funny about Denver and and the Raiders. They're in no man's land. They're they're up the creek with no paddle. They They don't have a lot of options to get themselves out of this problem. And they're still picking 12 or 13. So they're still going to have to either give up even more of their assets. And I want you to think about how many of the assets Denver has already given up over the last couple of years just to get Russell Wilson in the building. So to give up even more of their assets to trade up, or they are, as you know, with each pick that goes by in the first round, there is a slightly smaller percentage chance that quarterback will work. You got a better shot. I mean, just look at the quarterbacks who succeed in this league more often than not. What is it? What do you think? 65% of the time they're taken in the top 10. The best quarterbacks are taken early. Trevor Lawrence is a starter, Tua taken in the top 10, Patrick Mahomes taken in the top 10. Like, I mean, we could go through every start in the league. How many do you think would be taken in the top 10? Most? Herbert, he was taken in the top 10, right? He was at like seven or eight? He was five, I think, wasn't he? Five, okay. I mean, all, all yeah. of them. Oh, just yeah. all, all of them. Even I, Fields is the current starter. Kyler Murray. The Her, one, number one, number one. The guy I think who's, who's out of the, who's off the radar, I guess, who I wouldn't, if I were the Chiefs, take in is Bo Nix. I think he's going to be better than Penix. I think he'll be better than McCarthy. Oh, Bo Nix. Huh? Uh, I know he's older, and that's the knock I against him, that. I guess. But but he's Bo Nix to really Denver. Good. I don't know why that does seem like you could see that. That's a Sean Payton guy. He plays quarterback the way Sean Payton likes quarterback. Yeah, him meshing that. with him. I, I just wonder if that would be a a better selection for the Broncos because Sean Payton is evaluating it and not whoever. Look, he's not. He's not Brandon Whedon, which never made any no. sense how he ended up as a first round quarterback. He was like twenty nine. Dude, he was like that he's was probably an AARP member. I'll never understand what the hell they were thinking there. But age is not 
it shouldn't not be a factor when you're no, talking right, about yeah. quarterbacks in the first round. Part of it just from like the runway of the age you get them in the career. Like look at the Chiefs versus Cincinnati. I'm not doing this to pick on you, Drew. No, yeah, yeah. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are like seven months apart in age. They're practically the same age. Patrick Mahomes, by the time Joe Burrow got in the league, Patrick Mahomes had already been to an AFC title game, won an MVP, and won a Super Bowl yeah. before Burrow even got to the league. You just get runway. You get more time with them, more time overall with them. You hate for the first contract for you to be giving Bo Nix. He's damn near 30. That that is a that is a tough position to be in. His extension kicks him. He's thirty. He'll be a lot like Joe Ugh. Burrow. He's he's going to be about twenty eight, yeah, or so because he's twenty four right now. How long did he turn twenty four? I don't know, but I looked it up. A just a turned twenty four. I see February, okay. February twenty fifth. So yeah, I mean, like a week ago, him and Joe Burrow are about exactly the same in terms of age when they got into the league. So they, their career trajectories from a contract standpoint and when you'd have to pay him are similar. I've decided it's not going to work out, though, for Bo Nix because he, he was born in a ridiculous town name. <laughs> okay. Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Well, is this, this, this is uh, your take that <laughs> explains. Oh, like they can't wear backwards This is like Colin Coward. So wait, wait <laughs> yeah. you're telling me, so you're going to look this up. So if, you're, if you were born, if you're a quarterback born in a weird city name, you can't. Can't be successful. Do you have background Arkadella, on this? Arkadella, Arkadelphia back- is a ridiculous name. Do you have um, like some backup? On this, you know what? Let's look up. Uh, let's look. Up, uh, give me, give me. Let's uh, let's look up. Uh, what's a bad quarterback who was drafted recently? Oh, recently or just Mac a, Jones? Like, Jamarcus Russell was born in Mobile, Alabama. That one doesn't fit your. That theory. one doesn't. It's a, maybe a recent theory. Which one did you just say? Um, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. There you go. Where was he born? I don't, think, born, I don't think this is checking out for you, man. <laughs> Mac Jones. Either. Jacksonville. That's a ridiculous place. Justin Fields. Kennesaw, Georgia, Cody. I mean, it's just not, it's not going to, nice. yeah. And Phil, no. It's still out on him, you know? Oh, okay. And none of those are as ridiculous. Arkadelphia. Well, I would agree. It's got to be, it's got to be <laughs> like, right. you know, come on. But I don't know if there's an example you can give me. Um, uh, I, think I, think think <laughs> I need one more example. Of I don't the back know if you, I don't think you can give me one. Born in a stupid city. Um, who was that? I mean, what was that? The draft with Mac Jones when like every quarterback failed. What name me one other quarterback. Where's Trey draft? Lance from? Oh, yeah, there we go. Trey Lance. It's California or something, right? Oh, Marshall, Minnesota. That's a pretty normal-sounding name. It's pretty scary, pretty normal Jake as well. Cutler at Text Line says it's from Santa Claus, Indiana. I know exactly oh. where that is. That's where Holiday World is. That's why he was never going to win anything. Santa Claus, Indiana. Wait, we, went from, from? we went from Cody saying, give me someone recent, <laughs> to now Jake Cutler? Well, somebody in the text line said it, so I was like, <laughs> no, I, I, point. I know where that is. Isn't Brent Farr from some weird town? Gulfport, Mississippi. That's, that's not, not weird. weird. No, that's, that's not, not weird at all. Again, not Arkadelphia. That's that's just a silly name. I don't think your theory's going to no, hold up, man. It's, it's just specific to him, not everybody. I don't think it's going to hold I'm up. calling it now. Bo Nix, he stinks. Come back so? and play this audio because of the Arkadelphia comment. He's done. It's over. Just because okay. he's from Arkadelphia. Just because of that part. Not just because he just doesn't have any other. Not because he's the fifth-rated quarterback mm-hmm. in this class. Is that where he is? Probably. Uh, right now, yes. There's some mocks that have him going in the in like fifth rated by who, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. I just meant like general consensus. I don't mean by you or me, just general. Him consensus. and Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy are in the same breath, but okay, you can put them in different. Random question. Yeah, different categories. That makes sense. For you, gold. For you, Drew. Over the text line nine one three five eight six seven six. Oh, I think, I think the text line's been waiting for this all day. Yeah, they pretty much just automatically declared me. If you're not familiar with like Reddit or some of the other social media platforms, a common question asking form is A I T A. Am I the a hole? In which you describe a situation and then you allow others to tell you 
whether or not you're the jerk in this situation. I am going to present a problem that came up specifically for me. Uh, the fact that you're asking the question is already not a good start for you. It already leans yes. It already leans yes. Just judge me fairly. Just just judge me fairly based on the situation. Okay. I'm in line at Chick-fil-A. Gonna get some breakfast. Drive-thru? Yeah, drive-thru. A little bit busier. You know, this one right over by the office. A little mm-hmm. bit busier. Mm. Few extra cars, but whatever. We're doing our normal ordering system. It's a two-window setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I order my food, I pull ahead. Car behind me, I guess in this situation, orders their food, they pull ahead. We're getting to the merge point. Of the food ordering system. And it's obvious. Everyone knows I have gone first. Everyone knows. This gentleman is making it very difficult to get in. He's in this big jacked up truck. Mm. We're not, you know, he's making weird faces. He's making it kind of. Oh, you guys are making like. He's making like, I feel like he seems like he would like to go in. You guys are making eye contact. A little. Okay. So I eventually do take my place in line. I, I work my way in. Not the question about why I'm a jerk. I was in the right. It was my turn. Mm-hmm. I, we're trying to keep it easier for the employees. What happened next is the question I need to know. So he's behind me. I pull up to the window. I said, she's like, is this your order? I said, yep, that's what I got. She goes, okay. Um, I, I hand her my car. She said, oh, no, the person in front of you paid for it. I was like, wow, that's really nice. She said, do you want to pay for the person behind you? I said, no. And then I drove off. <laughs> so am I, am I the angle here? No. That uh, guy was no, making my not. life so I, I don't know him any food. So I don't, well, it has nothing to do with that. I Do you usually subscribe to that where it's like, I usually like, at Star, like if you're at Starbucks or whatever and someone buys your, you know, buys the, the coffee or whatever. And the, I, I do think you keep the chain going. Um, Chick-fil-A though, that's not a place where I'm normally doing that though. Well, that and the, the person asked you if you wanted to do it. It's, she was putting pressure or they were putting pressure on you. With all due respect, I mean, she just wants to know if the chain wanted to keep moving. I said, "No, I'm good. That's fine." Yeah, had that guy not been a jerk, I'm telling you right now, I probably just pay for it. What do I care? You know, I was going to pay for my meal anyway. I mean, doesn't really make a difference. Odds are, I'm not paying more than I was going to pay. It was one guy in that car. I I figure in this scenario, one, you don't have to keep the chain going at it when it's in this at a Chick Fil A versus just a cup of coffee or something, but also. Do you think he's thinking about this situation as much as you are? It actually sounds very minor, like the, the interaction of the merge thing. I don't. Yeah, you said you thought nah, he was making it difficult. The man. fact that you said you made eye contact—that was your mistake. As you looked at them, you, you shouldn't even. You should just keep your head straight. And I appreciate the "I think you should leave" reference in there. By the way, it's very yes. good. Um, no, I look. The guy was making it like unnecessarily challenging. They were trying to inch forward. Uh, yeah, you know, like I was to... annoyed with them. By the time we finally, get, I'm like, "What are you doing here? Can I just like?" We obviously understand it's just in every other order system here. It was very right. obvious I was ahead. And we've all, like a mystery. Everybody's been in the drive-thru before where someone does screw it up and you move on. It's an extra five seconds. Like I've, I've been in the line of Chick-fil-A where the person in front of me, clearly they asked him, cause you, you know, they asked your name, right? So they're like, oh, is this order for Alex? Like I had my window and I could tell they, they my order they were trying to hand to someone else because that person didn't merge properly in the line. Big deal. Yeah, it like, happens. An extra 60 seconds. Yeah, but no, big quick. deal for that guy. Why? Why are they in such a hurry? You might be oh, thinking, about but they may not have been more, done. They may but... not even have done it on purpose. They were too busy on their damn phone, and they. You think they were being an a hole? Maybe they just were on their phone and not paying attention, like, which is also fine. a problem. Vibes Katie, of the person, right. vibes of the vehicle. I think this was an intentional moment. You think they knew you? And now I made an intentional decision not to pay for this man's food. So I feel like you're totally fine. Oh, a little mock draft sounder. This is now the second one for me. You said there was one last week, Cole? Yeah, one last Friday. We, we brought back the sounder last Friday. It's not the first Wednesday of the month. It is the first Friday, though. We are going to go to a different spot, though. I think we did uh, CBS Sports last time. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. 
I don't know if you saw Mel's recent mock that he came out with a, a day or two Mel ago. Mel Kuyper. Um, Still doing it, man. Grinding. Oh, yeah. Grinding tape. Uh, <laughs> number one, he's got Caleb Williams going. He does have Jaden Daniels going number two to Washington. That seems to be more popular. Growing and by the Drake day. May three. Then we break off the uh, off the quarterbacks, Cody, there at four, uh, where the Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. For the Chargers, they obviously select fifth. J.C. Latham, the tackle from Alabama, is who uh, Kuyper's got the Chargers taking. What about the Chiefs, man? What about uh, the Chiefs? Well, I'll give you the I'll give you the Chiefs. I was going to give you the division first, to, just to right. call for for dramatic effect. Uh, A lot of quarterbacks. Your boy J.J. McCarthy to the Broncos. <laughs> So you like Mel Kuyper's mock already, I think. Okay. The Raiders taking Byron Murphy, the second tackle out of Texas. Um, didn't necessarily have a, have a great combine drill yet, drill session yesterday, but uh, again, that doesn't necessarily matter. The Chiefs, wide receiver from Texas. God, this one just keeps Xavier coming out. Worthy. Xavier Worthy. Hmm. And uh, to, if you don't mind, I'll give the description as well that Mel sure. said. Uh, the Chiefs had major issues at wide receiver. The word I've used to describe Worthy is electrifying because he has amazing movement skills and space. He can score from any spot on the field, 26 touchdowns in three years at Texas. The one problem, he says, with this fit, though, is that Worthy had a share of drops in 2022. Ah, they'll fit right in. He cut those in half last season. Um, he said Worthy showed last year he has passed the issue of drops uh, and obviously had a sensational career at Texas. Uh, one big thing I really like about this is he's 20. Like, I always think about this from, if you get this right, especially in a first-round pick, and if you get a first-round pick right, Gold, you're going to give them an extension. It's a lock, right? You get it right, first-round pick's going to get a second deal. Be 25 when he got a second deal? You can give him a whole large second contract, still hit him before he's 30. I mean, I like I like that end. Not just, I mean, the performance stuff and all that. Yeah, sure. But there's... There's no shortage of six foot one, yeah. two, or, you know, I guess he's kind of skinny. He's a buck so, 70 or so. So, like, there's no shortage of, like, six foot, 185-pound wide receivers who run 4 4 Devontae Smith type of guy. Pretty much tall, lean. A lot quick. of the comps, though, it's, I, I think it's kind of interesting because over the last month or so, and, and even during the trade deadline, heck, we were talking with Sean Barber about this, Darnell Mooney's name has come up, you know, out of Chicago, and, like, oh, he'd maybe be a good fit in Kansas City. Well, guess where some of the comps have Xavier Worthy? Mm-hmm. Darnell Mooney. That's like literally on NFL's. Uh, I think it's Daniel Jeremiah who, it's who funny does seeing that. How he's been mentioned um, for the Chiefs. Yeah, Darnell Mooney is the the NFL comp. It's actually Lance Sirline that that did the article on, on uh, Xavier Worthy, but his comp is Darnell Mooney, which is a name, and people are like, man, he'd be a great fit here. So you can kind of see maybe a potential connection with that if they if you can get the guy on a on a rookie deal that would fit that. The biggest weakness they list uh, for him, other than the drops that Drew pointed out. Fails to adjust his speed to ball placement consistently enough. So Again, he's going to right, Can't track the ball in the air very well. Yeah. He's going to fit right yeah. in with this squad. Mm-hmm. That is single-handed. Like, drops and unable to track the deep ball is like the story of the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver unit. Yeah. At the same time, though, it, it mentions he has bend and agility, Cody. Oh, bend. Mm. That's Run important. post corner and rip routes. Mm. Deep speed requires additional defensive attention. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact, too, I think it, it does... I think signify that he could be even better because the wide receiver core Texas was really good. He had a really good season last year. A.D. Mitchell was also there, could go in the first round as well. So the fact that he was, it wasn't like he was the guy he was in a room and was still as productive as he was could be a good thing. If you want more draft uh, coverage, don't forget to check out the Character Concerns podcast with Bink and Chris. A lot of draft content coming up uh, for them. Every Tuesday they have a new episode and the 
uh, Character Concerns podcast will air on 610 Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. starting next Saturday. Not tomorrow. Next Saturday, you'll start hearing that. You can, of course, follow, subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Character Concerns podcast with Bink and Chris. They do a great job. They've been locked in for months. We're all just now kind of focusing in. They've been focused in for months. So Now they're getting the combine we'll, stuff to we'll get Bink, through. We'll get Bink and Chris on the show as we get a little bit closer to uh, to the draft. But check out their Character Concerns podcast. Up next, we get to the 1 o'clock hour here on a Friday. That means it's Club 610. We bring that back. Scott Reese, sports director at KCTV5, joins us. We'll get his thoughts on the stadium conversation about a month away from that ballot measure. And where does he stand on the Royals right now, just on the field with what they have on that pitching staff? One o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. We haven't had a Club 610 in a couple weeks. Time to bring it back here. The weather's starting to get nice while. again uh, later on this afternoon. Grab a drink. Open up a couple quirks today. We've got Scott Reese, sports director over at KCTV5, joining us in studio. I, I was telling Cody, we haven't had you in studio before, so this will be fun. Have a new face, new voice. Uh, what's going on? You know what? Still just uh, kind of coming down off the insanity of the last <laughs> month. Uh, the, the hangover still hasn't completely gone away. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a good hangover. It's yeah, a good problem oh yeah. to have. But man, oh man, what a what a month. We wouldn't be good guests. We, do you want something to drink, man? I mean, it's it's a club. Look, everyone doesn't drink in the it, club. We just we like to offer that to anybody who is interested. You know what? I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm not on the clock officially for another <laughs> 80 minutes or so. So sure, I will partake. <laughs> In, in Club 610, just so I feel like I'm a part yeah. of the game. That's that's and, part of it, right? That's yeah. definitely part of it. Now, it was, I remember I talked to you at Super Bowl out in Vegas, and the feeling you had coming from the Bay Area, you, you knew a lot of the, the faces yeah. over there. So what was that like for you, too, both from a media perspective, but also you must have been pretty familiar with just some of the 49ers players and just the team and organization. Yeah, it was surreal, honestly. It was sort of like a this is your life because, you know, I, I worked at ESPN years ago, so you have that whole subset of media that comes flocking in for the Super Bowl and spending 14 years in the Bay Area, uh, I knew pretty much every media member who was there, all the TV and radio folks and, and the print guys and everything else so uh yeah it was trippy to see i mean you couldn't walk you know, radio row you literally you're you know <laughs> eyes on a head on a swivel because everywhere was hey how you doing hey i haven't seen you in six years so it was uh it was a ton of fun good times out in vegas do you win any money do you go to the tables uh you know what so we were so slammed and so exhausted we did not do much at night it took I, us I until you. friday or saturday like yeah we, the first four days or five days there N- nuts we didn't we hardly did yeah. anything that like constituted that by the time we got to friday or saturday we were at the tables a little bit more how'd not that, to our benefit i was but gonna say how'd that go not, not well, well. yeah no. okay, scott so and the craps broke, did not treat us well i broke even for the trip like i i won like ten dollars so like i broke even for the trip it was just a matter of i won it all playing poker and blackjack and gave it all away back at the craps table. The craps table was bad. That's how it works. You win some, you lose some. You take break even for seven, eight days. Of course. That's a long time. Yeah, which is exactly where I was. So I actually made use of the uh, the sports book because the prop bets are fun. So I I spread out some little here, a little there. And and I, I made, you know. 80 bucks yeah. on, on various prop bets. And then I gave it all back at the craps table the last night. And that's I was eating, you know, so. gave it to the craps. That's, that's, that's a normal trip. You could win trip. craps, right? 
God, of course you can. Win. Of course you can. But, uh, you know, you that that's usually the story. Most people don't hop on the plane back from Vegas and say, man, I came with a <laughs> bunch more money back with me than I, I actually it. showed up we with. We just needed one hot shooter in craps. We didn't even get no, close to that. No, that's the, that's we didn't get a good shooter it, yeah. in craps. Well, you inclu- lost $100 that first time you played in two in like seconds. seconds. I mean, honestly, two rolls, Scott. Two rolls. Oh, it didn't yeah. matter. I mean, that's how quick is. You know how craps go. Plus, on Friday, or when do we play? Friday or Saturday? Uh, and the minimums because of the Super Bowl on top Saturday. of just a normal right Friday in Vegas concert. were just, I mean, it's 20, instead of being 10, 15, it was 25, 50. It was crazy expensive. And uh, you'll appreciate uh, Marlia Campbell, one of our reporters. Uh, I said to her during the week, I said, Hey, do, do you gamble? She's like, well, I don't really know how I said, Oh, you want to learn to play craps? That's She's fun. like, absolutely. <laughs> so, so that was the last night. Cause we stayed Monday night. So we were still there Monday okay. night into Tuesday. So Monday night, that was the, let's go, you know, throw around a little money and, you know, taught her to play craps. And I think she was willing to risk a $40 at the craps table lasts uh, about four minutes. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. It was two rolls and out. And she's like, this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. She'd be hooked forever. If she, you just like, turn that right, forty right, into four hundred and ten minutes. There is definitely some truth. Sometimes, if you you know, if your first time gambling, you don't win. It might actually be the best thing for you. Yes. Versus you know, the yes. first time you go and you win, you're like, oh wow, yeah. this is an easy thing to do. How, we were, Cody and I were talking about this earlier. I felt bad. How long have you been in KC now? I got here right around week one of the twenty two season. So okay, so yeah, it's so still almost, pretty recent. Almost, almost a year and a half. Okay, year yeah, a year and four months, something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's what we were trying to decide. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, less than two years? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably around what do you, the range? What do you, I mean, other than... Have you ever lived here before? No. Oh. So, so you're a Midwest only, guy, right? I, I Well, it depends on your definition. Oh. I was born in Chicago, okay. but I lived there for a year, and I've been in I, most of my life on the West Coast and a little bit on the East Coast. Do you like the Midwest? Um, you know, I do. It, it's it's different on so many levels. Um, the first thing that jumped out at me, and it's so cliche, but the people were so stinking nice. And, and when I came for the interview, just everyone, not just from, from KCTV, but, you know, you go to Target, you know, you go to... Uh, uh, Five guys, you know, in order of, and everybody's just so like over the top friendly, and you're like, wow, people aren't like this in California. So, <laughs> so that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I like the space; it's nice having. You know, obviously, you get a get a big house for half the price. That, that yeah, that wasn't were you terrible in like a seven hundred square foot studio <laughs> in California? <laughs> well, we did okay out there because we bought at the right time, and go. then it there went kablooey. So that certainly helped big picture. But uh, but yeah, no, it's been fun. We got Scott Reese, sports director of KCTV Five, having out with us here uh, for Club Six Ten on a Red Friday. Let's get to what is clearly the biggest story in, in Kansas City and will be up until April 2nd, this stadium stuff. Where, where are you kind of at and, and what you made of the – let's start with the renderings of the, the renovation because I we, we sense most people were underwhelmed by yeah. that, but I, I kind of said well, that's why it's a renovation versus right. just building a brand-new stadium. Right, and, and I think it's hard. I come at it from a different perspective, not having lived all these years and decades in Kansas City. You know, I, I love new stadiums, you know, and, and seeing what they did in San Francisco with the Giants. And then with the 49ers, although that one had some issues, but still, you know, there's just you you go to Vegas and you see Allegiant Stadium and you go to L.A. and you see SoFi and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And so I think that by definition, a renovation is going to be underwhelming. That was the exact word that I used when I first saw that uh, saw it. Uh, And I heard you guys, you know, comparing it to Tennessee and you're talking two point one billion dollars. It's a different animal. So it's it's not fair to do that. But but still, when you've you've been around and obviously being in this business, I've been to so many stadiums in, in multiple sports. 
man, I love those brand new stadiums. <laughs> and, and that's why I understand the pitfalls of the Royals and, and, and those who don't like the idea of downtown. But I love me some downtown stadium because I've been to these places and I just love the vibe. I love the surrounding like areas. A, downtown baseball rules. It, it, it just really does. does. And so, you know, but again, this is a guy coming from out of town. And I understand, you know, some of the folks here who I get it. I get the reasons why it's not ideal for some. When you cover those other ones, though. All right, just negative versus positive vibe. Is it always you're going to hear more than negative? We've never covered the, the, <laughs> the closest we've come here is covering a renovation 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I would argue the airport, though, even. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, people, a lot of people didn't want the, the old airport to, to change. And the I don't know about you, but I, awesome. love the, I love the new the airport. airport. Yeah, it's awesome. Right. Again, coming from the outside, no, I, I got to that airport and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this can't be a major metropolitan airport. Felt like a uh, municipal one. Seriously. And not a good one. A bad <laughs> municipal airport. Uh, and, and now it's it's one oh, of the best gorgeous. ones you can yeah. go to. So, uh, again, I, I get it. People are always going to complain. But, man, I, I the, the, the whole the idea of, man, now i got to walk to get to my gate. Really? That's a bad trade-off for, like, That's having bathrooms and restaurants at your disposal? Like, I would think, you know... That would be more important, but that's just me. I'll say this. I have been generally worried about the health of this city. As someone who's not healthy myself, <laughs> based on the amount of complaining there's been about don't want to walk. just walking a little bit. They're like, what the hell? I don't want to walk. They're like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I guess yeah. get like a scooter, learn to ride a skateboard, or just walk the 10 minutes. No, get look, I get going. it. There, there's always going to be. Completely different based on some cities. Yeah. I think some individuals ride due to health reasons oh, and, and things like that. Of course, th- those people, I understand their concerns with. How is their experience going to be different? And it, look, change, that's why I brought up the airport. Like some people just, hey, you're comfortable. You like you like the way things are. Like you, right. we all grew up, you and I, Cody, grew up in, in Kansas City. And so the city has changed so much just even in the last decade, five yeah. to ten years. And so some, you, you get comfortable with routine and, and we all like routine. But as the city continues to grow and I think just put itself on the map even more and, and sports a big part of that, there's going to be some changes, some pros, some cons to that. And I do think, to your point, Scott, a little about downtown baseball. If you've ever been to a, a, a downtown baseball game, the entire experience, even separate from the nine innings that you're watching, it, it's such a great uh, opportunity to actually have a reason to go near the stadium. Not, hey, the game's at 610 right now at the K. I'm showing up at 555, you <laughs> right, know? Right. Uh, whereas downtown baseball, whether it's in Minnesota, I've been to Denver's downtown stadium. Say, hey, let's get there at five before the or, seven or, o'clock. Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, if it's or a, one or sir. Yeah. Right? Say if it's a Saturday, get there at one, right. hang out brewery nearby, right. restaurant nearby, walk to the game and yeah. hang out after make it a whole day. Yeah. I think one of my favorite sports memories, and admittedly, it's not a downtown stadium, but Wrigleyville in Chicago, yeah, that's just yeah. you know, it's yeah. is just, it's spending Four or five hours just existing, just hanging out, soaking it all in. And obviously, you have the iconic stadium and everything that goes with it. Personally, it's my favorite stadium. But, yeah, Wrigley's great. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but again, it just goes to the, the ancillary benefits of, of all that. And, you know, I, I could see the development here if it goes through and we get a downtown ballpark. You know, I, it would be so much fun to see that come to fruition because the infrastructure is already there. I want downtown. I mean, I, this is, again, like we talked about, like the financing part of the billionaire stuff. We don't have to. I mean, I, we've talked about that. Yeah. Like, Golden, I've made our positions that are pretty clear. We yeah. would also like to live in a world in which. Yeah. <laughs> in which money were no object. In which people who had billions of dollars paid for things that I didn't. Yep. Sounds cool. In general, I, I am definitely in favor of that. <laughs> and then there's like the balance between like, I'm also, I understand the displacement of the businesses in the crossroads and why yep. that stinks. But then also, you know. Like, people are like, well, they're not going to be paying taxes down there once they, you know, they get down there. And, like, 
how much revenue they'd be generating. I'm like, I don't know, probably more than Temptations. <laughs> I don't want, like, look, I don't want to, I want to say for sure, but I mean, probably more than well, a few of those businesses. Not all, but it's the. What is it? The one percent earnings tax that all the athletes and when Taylor Swift has a concert in Jackson County I and all these things, that. like that's, that's money factor. that that obviously if the, if if you didn't have Arrowhead, which therefore let's say Arrowhead was on the Kansas side instead, and Taylor Swift was coming and doing con- Luke Combs, whoever, right, doing concerts, that one percent earnings tax you you would not obviously be getting anymore in Jackson County or in KC Mall. Like, that's significant as much as we talk about the dollar amount and what the the public money and financing is going to be. There is still. That one percent that goes away from all the the visiting players, from all the the concerts that Beyonce they all pay, they all paid that, so that's kind of significant as well. As we're talking to Scott Reese from Channel Five here, hanging out on a Red Friday. It's not a Red Friday. It's, is it guess, still Red Friday? Yeah, I, I was going to say I'm so used to saying no, it. I don't think so. Probably not. I think yeah. we, we we gave a one week pass for the week after the Super Bowl. True. Yeah. Still celebrating. We'll sure. allow that one, but I think now no. There's no such. The Royals don't have like Blue Friday. So no. There's no, no transition. Are they going to the slogan saying the same? We going uh, welcome to the city. I don't know part if I've two? seen. I don't know if I've seen the unveiling of the Royals baseball. Scene. Are you a baseball guy? What's your sport? I am a huge baseball. Okay, guy. yeah. Uh, I love the NFL as much as anybody. Uh, but I'm I'm, so, I'm in the perfect sports area because I'm a huge baseball guy, huge NFL guy, and a huge college sports, especially college basketball guy. So I've come to the right place. Yeah, no kidding. Especially when the Royals are good, it's a lot of fun. I'll yeah. let you know. Well, I mean, you haven't seen it yet, but when they're good, it's a lot. Oh, I've, I've seen it because, the, you know, <laughs> well, I, Giants, I was, yeah. was going to say yeah. before, you know, the, the only time you asked me if I'd spend some time in the Midwest, the only time oh, I had been to Kansas City ever before moving here, I was here for the A's wildcard game in 2014, Great and game. I was here That's for the true. World Series twice in 2014. So I got to see Kansas City in all its winning celebratory splendor. Obviously, the end of the series didn't go well here. But that said, <laughs> I got a taste of what that team is like when they're winning and what the fan base is like. Does it hurt any less? Does Madison Bumgarner hurt for you guys any less? <laughs> Coupled with two things. One, they won the World Series in 15. That yeah. helped it feel yeah. less. That has anyway. to take some of the stigma. But then also, the Chiefs have won three Super Bowls now in the last five years. Time I feel also. like I can just let one Super Bowl loss to the Bucs and one World Series loss I can, I can like it's a little easier it's, pill to swallow. That's all. Time, you know, time heals all wounds, so that's part of it. But th- there's always still part of you that thinks the chief, the Chiefs, the Royals were so close to being back to back. Think about back to back World Series yeah. champions. So that's always like because I don't think they're ever going to be in a spot to be back to have a chance to go back to back years to a World Series again. Unfortunately, I mean, up until then, you know, if you would have told me they would even made the playoffs, I was probably gonna gonna be stunned and in shock. We can talk about this year's baseball team here in about 15 minutes or so and, and what we're all kind of expecting. But I, I know you you came from uh, Stanford and you were calling games out there. I wanted to talk about college football because of what's going on with the college football playoff and, and where do you stand on all this? We know it's going to 12 this year, but there's discussions in two years to go to 14. The Big Ten and the SEC want to guarantee themselves first round buys and all these extra spots. We knew we were headed in this direction where they get to decide everything, but it sucks, right? It sucks. <laughs> I, I, I can't convey the extent to which all of it sucks. The, the NIL era that we now exist in, college sports, college football, it's, it's dead. It's not what it was. It is a minor league system. Eventually, it's going to literally be a minor league system, and we will have two divisions, one with all the schools that want to play that game, and you know it's a billion-dollar industry, and then all the, the Stanfords and the Wake Forests and the Dukes and the North Carolinas and all the schools who actually still care about academics will have another, and they'll call it a lower-level college football, which will exist, and that'll still be fun, too. Um, but it's, uh, it, it is really tough for me, especially as a Pac-12 guy, That's right. to see yeah. the death of my conference before my very 
eyes, um, which, again, maybe I could have predicted this 10, 15 years down the road. Nobody saw this coming a couple years ago now. Yeah, it's happening quicker. I, I think the minute we allowed realignment to happen and said, okay, it's the, the, the locations don't matter anymore and that it's just truly about the TV dollars and all that, the separation of the Big Ten and the SEC and one day whatever we'll call those conferences and, and like that – that is where we're headed. It's just yeah. I think everybody you never like doesn't mean you like seeing it, no. even though we all know no, it's that this there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube on this thing. No. And to be clear, look, I still I still love yeah, college football. It's a ton of fun to watch, but it is not anywhere close to what it was and the direction it's going, I think it stinks I, and it's unfortunate. I'm getting ready to just stop. Like why like the thing about college football is the extra stuff. If I just want to watch football, I'll watch the NFL. Right, it's right. better. Well, and that's the I, thing. I'll watch the better version of football. Why it, would I watch this if you're not giving me any of the ancillary and stuff? And if you get, where'd you guys go to college? KU. UMKC. Okay. All right. So it, well, no football. <laughs> so no football. And one might argue also just, no football. Just up, until recently. <laughs> up until recently. Up until recently. Until now. They had yeah. a little college football when he was, right. wait, no, they were really bad. When I was <laughs> in high school when they you went to the Orange Bowl. when they went to the Orange yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Well, I'm but, sorry. But being, you know, you root for the jersey, right? It didn't matter who the, to some and who the players were you were die hard for that team and the tailgaters and the uh, just all the ancillary fun and, and exuberance of college football Saturdays and that was what it was about it wasn't about necessarily oh I've got the best quarterback or you've got the best team or this or that obviously that matters but that it seems to me that that isn't a thing anymore well, it's like- because it's 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 all money and it's it's business and guys transfer on the drop of a die. It just it's it stinks. Like it was always hard for me because like I didn't grow up a huge college football fan. So people were like, oh good, good riddance, get out of here. But college football to me, from like even like let's say a semi outsider's perspective, and I paid attention to it, but I wasn't like the college football diehard. Is that what made college football so impressive as a fan base? Is eight and four teams still lived and died yes. by their team, right? 100%. But the second you put all the money into it and you make it just about these 14 teams and you put it all in the Big Ten and the SEC, it matters even less. They've yeah. taken even less juice out of the 8-4, and four, finishing third in your conference or the joy or the pride and, like, having a good year. Like, they've just washed that away and made it just about the prize and mostly the prize being a big bag of money. And, that like, that part of it always just kind of soured me to it. And it's the same teams every year, right? And this, has been, about, this has been a problem for a about, decade. Yeah. You know, but but you know, going back to the, the, the BCS championship and all that, and yeah, you're going to get an occasional a Cincinnati or a team that comes out of nowhere. But, you know, every single season, it's if you're not a fan of one of those teams, it's boring. It's What's it, the – oh, good. It's it's Alabama and Georgia. And it's, it's, okay, great. You know, yay. And that's, that's, that's hard because – the eight and four part of it, I think that that's the perfect yeah. example of how, you know, when you've got a team that, you know, every once in a while rises up and uh, yeah, eight and four, great season, but nobody cares. Yeah. Like Kansas right now, they care. They're, they're bouncing right. back. Exactly. But if they were in the subdivision, like who the hell cares? Right. Oh, you right. went eight and four in the baby division. That's right. not the big 10 of the SEC. Good for you. Yeah, exactly. oh, it matters even yeah. less than it does now. And that's where like, and I, I don't know like how many people bought into the idea, but there was at least I guess some hope that when we got the college football playoff and we expanded it to 12, that like, okay, now, now more schools are going to really have a chance. And the end, not really. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Like it was, it was th- this idea sounded great in theory. Like, Oh, we're going to have a playoff and there's going to be 12, maybe 14 one day. And so therefore, yeah, like you don't have to win your conference to get in. You may, you could be a group of five school and still get in. Not really. Like, not really. Now, it, 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 if they're going to have this setup where there's going to be, essentially auto bids when they go to 14 uh, for first round buys in the big 10 and the sec. And look, 
I think there's a decent chance a lot of years they probably would have got to buy anyway. But that's the point. But, but why, why? You know, the, right. they didn't need to do so that. So why the system? You could yeah. just get the buy. Yeah. Right. Just you're earn right. it because you're better. It's because right. they're greedy and you're, they know they have the power. You're paying more. You're getting the dudes. It, it, it's going to happen anyway. And and I agree with you. When it went, I, I was long a proponent of the expanded playoff. Yeah. You know, because it, it, the reasons you said. Like, first of all, you have five power conference teams. Well, shouldn't the winner of all five of those power conferences get a shot? Right, and again, as the guy who was in the Pac-12 and the one that was usually left out, it was like, "Hey, what about us out here in the West? We play football too." But, but you know that. So going to twelve to me was fantastic, and I don't have twelve to fourteen. I honestly don't care, but I do care if you start stipulating, well, seven, you know, eight of those bids are going to be for two. Com- no, that, well, then what's the point? That's the problem. It's like so, like I'm playing a one-on-one basketball game to twenty-one against a ten-year-old, and I got like seven <laughs> inches on him. You're like, "Hey, look, I'm supposed, I'm going to win this game anyway." But if you don't mind, I'd like 10 points, too. You're right, like, what exactly, why? Exactly. Why the hell do you get 10 exactly. points? That doesn't make any sense. You're like, because I'm already stronger than you, <laughs> and let's get this game over faster. You're like, no, that's an unfair system. Let's just play it. I mean, you're still probably going to come out ahead, so just play it straight. And they don't want to. They want the advantage. They want. I think some of this is they want their conference title games to matter. If they make their conference title games about a double buy, their conference title games from a television perspective and viewership perspective matter more than anyone else's if they've got more on the line. But don't they already? Yeah. I mean, arguably, yeah, because they're better conferences. You know, I mean, the, it's not like the SEC championship is hurting for viewership, the Big 12 championship. And, and you know, it, it, it's... But it's still just it, greed, right? I mean, that's, right. I mean, that, that's what's driven this whole thing. And then it's just act, like, you're right. Are, are, is, should they just be, be happy with what they... Of course, but we know that's just not... Because it is strictly a business yep. more than anything else. And so if they see an opportunity to get more leverage and eventually more dollars down the road, they're going to do that. And by guarantee, even in an off year, by having guaranteed first round buys, which is what they want, they, they, they can you know prevent themselves from losing money that given year or whatever it may be on, on impact on future television deals. We got Scott Reese of KCTV5 hanging out, hanging out with us here. But uh, you call play-by-play at Stanford, whatever. So do you, do you miss a little bit of the, the play-by-play stuff? Incredibly. Yeah, I, I mean, there's I nothing bet. more fun, honestly. And I love doing sports TV and sports yeah. talk radio is a blast. But, man, there's nothing more fun, especially for your alma mater, to sit there, right. and, yeah, you there. And, and to call football and basketball, especially when they were good. You know, I mean, I was there for the, the tail end of the good years when they were going to Rose Bowls and it was like Andrew Luck. Yeah, so what do you Make of Harbaugh well, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, <laughs> Harbaugh, man. Uh, <laughs> so I, I am forever in Jim Harbaugh's debt as a Stanford guy because he took our program sure. from absolute nothingness from, you know, where Kansas was for a decade, you know, one and 11. They're just like the other Ivies, honestly, just like, right. I mean, they were dead and buried and an afterthought. And in five years, they were going to, you know, BCS bowl games and a Rose Bowl and a Fiesta Bowl and an Orange Bowl. And so uh, I am forever in that guy's debt. Uh, he's a fantastic football coach, but I also know that he tends to wear out his welcome a little bit. I say that's what's going to happen, right? In LA, he's going to be great, and then in five years, something will happen; and, and he'll be and, gone. And given what we know about the Chargers and their track record, uh, it would be to no one's surprise if that cycle repeated itself. Now, maybe he'll get him somewhere in the interim, uh, and you know, it'd be nice to have more, um, honestly, more competition in the, in the division. I mean, sure, it's nice to have Super Bowl champion. We every just want to keep winning them, Scott. <laughs> we just get to get to 12 in a row, 13 in a row. Do you really just want everybody else to stink? I think or, so. Yeah, yeah I, I think guess so. so. Just dominate. Just, <laughs> we, I think what we enjoy now, honestly, just specific to the Chargers is because every offseason, I mean, it's been like a right, four or right. five straight offseason. That's the year. Yeah. That's the year, and this publication yeah. picks them, and yeah. uh, look out, they're the offseason yeah. champs, and now it's just become a joke. Yeah. Like, what are we, uh, what, what, what is changing? I, I do like the hire, though. For Har- yes. I think Harbaugh a is a high. good fit. Yes. But like you said, they might 
in a year or two win 12 plus games, but in year five, does he not get along with ownership anymore? Right. And it's like, all of a sudden he's just, he's gone. Exactly. Uh, that's that's the Pretty pattern. Likely. Wash, rinse, repeat. But but again, if you talk to Charger fans, if you can we'll find any, right. uh, they would say, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take three <laughs> years of success. Probably less once they moved. We talked about that with college football. That was a mistake the NFL made. Is oh. They moved away from some fan bases. Yes. Like the Chargers had an actual fan base, and now they don't. Not and the Raiders will hold on to it. But like <laughs> now they're in a city with no fans at all. They're like, hey, it's not cool that everyone keeps coming in here, and we can't, like, our crowds are not. I'm like, you moved away from everyone who cheers from your team. That's how this works. Like, you can't just change cities and hope. Ugh. It takes a long time to rebuild a fan base. Although, I guess I assume if, like, Seattle got an NBA team, anybody who used to root for the Sonics will just become a fan. Yeah, of I mean, selfishly, I doing sports talk radio, I mean, Scott, obviously, you're, you're on TV. Like, if we had an NBA or an NHL team, that'd be yes, absolutely incredible. Be fantastic. Yeah, it'd yeah, be great for everybody. Up, sign me up, yeah. Oh, it'd be, could you imagine just it's Kelsey sitting courtside on a Wednesday night because LeBron's in town? <laughs> you know what I mean? That would have been amazing. Well, obviously, it's never going to happen from that exact example, but... uh yeah, it would have been it would have been terrific. All right, coming up next, I do want to get your perspective on on this upcoming baseball season a little bit. And how do you see things playing out for Chris Jones and Legarius Sneed? We know the tag deadline's coming up, the league year about twelve days away. That's next here on a Club Six Ten Friday. Back here, it's Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tap, Drew Nixon with you. We got Scott Reese of KCTV Five hanging out with us. First time he's been in Club Six Ten. Look, you come back another time. You never know. We've had Dom Perignon before in the club. I'm just saying. It, it varies in uh, wildness. I, I was expecting like strobe lights and <laughs> yeah. like, you know, a real 90s club uh-huh. vibe in here. You got to work on that. In yeah. fairness, I think the reason why we started doing it is when him and I were coming back from Miami right after they had won the Super Bowl. We were in a studio that had like a disco light in it. There you go. That's and we true. were like turning it on and playing silly music and having fun with it. Phoenix, right. I think it was Phoenix. Or yeah. Phoenix, yeah, sorry, not Miami. In Phoenix, they had like a disco light, and we were like goofing around. We're like, you know what? We're bringing it back. But it's varied. We've had sparklers and bottle girls and the whole thing, yeah. but sometimes we like to keep it lower key. You know, we actually have in the KCTV5 sports office a disco ball. <laughs> which, like hangs? And I have, I've been there 16 months now. I have not been able to get an explanation of why it's there, Maybe where it came from. Maybe you guys have a little club KCTV5. I would be happy to you know, donate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it if you guys want so to hang it from the joint. Yeah, the, the that's, next that's time, where it is. It's just hanging there. The next time we have you in, maybe you need to bring the disco ball <laughs> and, and we can have that and see what it yeah. does for is us. Is it a digital one or one that light needs to hit? Oh, oh no, it's old school. Yeah, okay. no, not digital. <laughs> so we got to get a little light on it. It does nothing, correct. We can open the blinds up a little bit. Put one of these can lights on it. Figure it out. We can do that. That that would be great. I don't know if you've been following at all the, the Chiefsaholic stuff, though, Scott. We've had some fun with it just because, uh, frankly, his his attorney has been unbelievable. So we know Chiefsaholic, uh, viral story the last year plus, and this week he pled guilty uh, to the 11 bank robberies. He's been ordered potentially to pay half a million dollars in restitution, uh, return this autograph, Patrick Mahomes painting that he won at the 15 of Mahomes Gala. Uh, and could face up to 50 years in prison. I mean, very, very serious stuff, obviously. I mean, he is an armed, rob- armed robbery, and he pled guilty to it. But his attorney has provided some incredible gems, and we, we've kind of had some fun with this. I don't, I don't know if you heard his attorney's comments on the on the courthouse steps at all. You guys probably played it on Channel 5 at some point during the week, and not in the sports department, yeah, but, no, in, no, <laughs> but in, no. the, uh, in, in the news department. I think it covers both, but yeah. And uh, so a lot of our listeners yesterday suggested us put some music behind 
Matthew Merriman is the name of the attorney. So let's fade down the club music for yeah. a minute. Let's let's go. We haven't done the which fiend do you want to do? Do you want to do Chariots of Fire because he hasn't heard that, or we want to do something different? I think time? let's do one Chariots of Fire, and then I mm. think I want to hear the one with the Law and Order theme. I got to be honest, okay. I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> okay, I think I got to hear that one if we're if we're doing some. All right, let's start with the Chariots of Fire. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today. Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. You know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's Kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. That's Have real you not heard that clip yet? No, it's unbelievable. That's a real lawyer talking see, about his client. See, we can't do those things on TV. So <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I gotta yeah. report facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a real comment, Scott. I'm just saying, those are real comments. We just decided to, to add some music uh, to it. Um, it. Yeah, I mean, just his knee wouldn't hit the ground. <laughs> And this was his, I mean, that one makes it sound like a true redemption. This is what I like about it. We've played somber music in which it sounds like mm-hmm. he knows his client's going away for a very long time. He could face up to 50 years in jail um, for what he pled guilty to. Then there's the like, that one sounds like the inspirational version. Then there's just the criminal part of this thing. I think, I, I haven't heard this one yet. I'll be honest. This one has a chance to beat Chariots of Fire, which is the current leader in the clubhouse. I think so. And we'll keep taking your suggestions. 913-586-7610. There's a pretty good chance this is carrying us through March because we at least want to get one shot. <laughs> we want to get See, one shot. We got four moment. hours. You yeah, know, you know we've got four hours. Nothing but time. <laughs> There's nothing stopping us. Can we hear it with the Law and Order theme? Yeah, you got it? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. From the beginning of this case, folks, <laughs> the government has been blitzing, <laughs> and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today. Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief's I'll never know why he says his name that way in this clip. We know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. (laughs) That's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's Kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Oh, man. That one's good, though. You just picture him on courthouse steps, right, with that music playing. There's been plenty of big courthouse steps right in front of the, like, talking to the media, getting ready. Also, what's very unclear about that clip is, 
he's literally standing in front of like one microphone. This courthouse step thing. How many people were actually there to hear? Well, this? I, I think there were <laughs> like five or six outlets okay. there. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I how think, many outlets I were even like, there? I can't. I mean, you would. I, 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 I saw Mike Flags. I, I think whether it's okay. Channel Five or any of the other local stations. I, yeah, I think there were multiple people there. But uh, the, the, a lot of people think the outlet, Law and Order one was the best. But anyway, we, we've had some fun with with that. Obviously, just because his attorney. I don't know if you you know this. His attorney made comments in August. Uh, they kind of got him some notoriety, basically. He'll be in the Netflix doc that eventually is coming out right. with some of these comments. But in, in August, Cody, I don't know if we have the August comments uh, from, from his attorney, because that's where it started, and we thought it was over at that particular time. And then he had these, these comments the other day. Yeah, I would have assumed that it was over after this, but I guess not. This is not Chief Saholic's last drive. And he believes, and we believe, that when the final whistle blows and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community, in the eyes of his fans, and in the eyes of the Chiefs' kingdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one, the second one was even better, though. I mean, I can't oh, get yeah. over it. It was like, yeah. how scripted was it? The Chiefs of Holic give notes. I think we're in for one more. The day of sentencing <laughs> after. I think we might get one more, and somehow he's going to utilize how the Chiefs waited 50 years to win a championship. He's going to tie that into the sentence. There's some tie, and he's already got in his mind he's working in. Someone says they want the Golden Girls music. <laughs> you know, thank you for being a friend. Honest to God, it'd be kind of funny. We need some upbeat, poppy one. We haven't done that yet, so we can do that next week. Uh-huh. Yeah. Golden Girls, Drew. Put that on the list of ones yeah. we want to hear eventually. Doesn't have to be today. Just okay. put that on the list of ones we want eventually. That's all, right. all. On the field, though, Scott, with some decisions that uh, <laughs> <Smooth> segue. <laughs> have to be made um, with Legereus Need and Chris Jones. Uh, club music back on. Yeah, okay. I, I was like, club, well, I was like club music back on. We're ready to roll. How do you see this playing out? You know, there's a lot of national reporting suggesting there's optimism that Chris Jones gets a deal and it's trending more like Legereus gets traded. Where are you at? How do you see it playing out? Well, Chris Jones told us he was staying, right? So that's a that's a done deal. Because yeah. I think anything you say on the you know, the steps of, uh, of Union After Station After consuming is, like 29 right, years. Exactly. Yeah. I'm fairly sure that'll hold up uh, in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they get the Jones thing done. Um, and I hate to say it because I... I love having those two cornerbacks to me, you cannot overstate the importance and the luxury of having two all pro caliber lockdown corners. We saw it in, with Philly last year and they wound up going to the Super Bowl with that. I just, I, so I love having Legereus Sneed here, but the tea leaves would suggest that this may be the spot where they need to cut some corners and save some money. I don't think you can trade Legereus unless you know that you've got Chris Jones signed. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. Because I, I think 100%, you, yes. You can't lose though, both. Even though I have ultimate faith in what Brett no, Veach no, no, and the no, front no, office no. have done, I, I don't no. think you can lose both, And there's no though. chance that happens. I, I, I can't imagine so. a scenario where that happens. Yeah, I just... To me, that's why we've seen the difference in, in how everybody's talked about uh, in some of the reporting with, with Snead. Like, oh, you know, they're open to a trade, a little more, you know, open to that... And they're optimistic on a Chris Jones deal because I think if they weren't optimistic on a Chris Jones deal, we wouldn't be hearing as much noise about them trading. They've always Sneed. been more serious about Jones because that's why Snead didn't get extension talks last year. Now they wanted to prove more too, but they made it very clear. Don't you remember the reporting like August? Yeah, like August with our guy Nate Taylor from the Athletic. He was like, "Well, I don't think Snead's deal is going to get done because they're trying to deal with Chris Jones." Like up until the start of the season, the person they were trying to mess with was Chris Jones. That's who they were trying to figure out how to sign. And now, once again, this offseason, who have they prioritized? 
They told Snead, hey, we're probably going to tag you. Go shop around some other teams. They didn't tell Chris Jones go talk with some other teams at either point, last year or this year. And I get it. You pointed out more pressing timeline. Last year, they had to try yes. to get the franchise tag extension done. And this year, they got to do it. But still, they've still prioritized one player versus the other. They thought Snead was the way better player. The one-year difference in their timeline wouldn't change the fact that they would be trying to sign one versus the other more. Yeah, I just... You know, the, the the question on the Chris Jones front, is, other than the, the dollar amount, is are you all right if it goes the way the Aaron Donald final year or so went? You know, Aaron Donald signed his extension yeah, probably a, a year older. He was a year older at the time. And now you're looking at Aaron Donald as, what, a seven-sack guy, and he's still making 30-something million. Are you okay that next year, look, Chris Jones probably going to be another double-digit sack season, but in the final year of the deal, are you all right and i think most fans seem to be but are you all right with him suddenly being a six sack guy making 32 million dollars and that's that's the the problem right if chris jones was three years younger this would be a very different conversation but i think we saw what he did last year and he's still not only a guy who look i don't he's not gonna have 15 sacks next year but he doesn't have to because he demands so much attention he makes george karloftis so much better he can make a many he's so much better i just I understand the thinking that it starts with getting pressure on the quarterback and you have to have dudes who can do that. But again, man, shut down corners. Do not grow on trees. Uh, for the Chiefs, they might. Like, <laughs> well, maybe. I, I was looking up the Aaron Donald stuff just because I was interested. You're right on the sack numbers. But last season in the NFL, in defensive tackle pass rush win rate, number one. Yeah. I know, but he played in 11 second, games. No, no, I know. But just I'm just percentage yeah. of win rate. Yeah, yeah. He was also second in pressure rate. Again, yeah. only played in 11 games. He also took the second most, uh, no, sorry, fourth most amount of double teams. So it's not like, yes, you are not getting what you're paying for in Aaron Donald, but you're not getting a bad player, I guess. would be. You're getting a very, you're still getting one of the five best defensive tackles in the league when healthy. I think well, what Scott was saying, you mentioned a mini and others. I think that's also part of the thinking, well, or at least my healthy. thinking on bringing Chris Jones back, because even though Legereus had a great season, I'm still more confident they can backfill that, if that makes sense, if he's gone versus right now, Carl has had a phenomenal season, but there's still a little bit of a question of what happens with his pass rush if they're not focused on Correct. Chris. Okay, and then a mini who's got an ACL, right. so is he available in October, November? Right. I don't well, know. That's when he was available this year. Fair. <laughs> very, very true. And it worked out just fine. But it's I like, don't do that you know, and you would like to say, and you should be able to say, well, you drafted a first-round <laughs> well, guy in Felix, but that's a, he's a wild card hanging in next year. I mean, totally. training camp, that's going to be a huge story when we're all up in St. Joe, sweating yeah. our butts off, you know, wondering what Felix can do. Last yeah. year was kind of nice. We didn't have to sweat oh, as much last year training bad. camp. We shouldn't complain. Based on <laughs> last year's weather alone, it really wasn't that bad. Here's the thing. You gave the, the, the statistic. Let me, let me give you the devil's advocate on Sneed, which, which jumped out at me. Sure. Seven games last year, he spent at least, I think it was 65% of the time covering the number one guy. Right. Yeah. Basically, it, seven games, he was essentially shadow coverage on the top guy on whoever they're playing. Only once in those seven games did that receiver catch more than two passes. Two. I mean, he shut him down. And it was it was Devontae Adams once, and, and that's again, it's such a luxury. But you can't. You may not be able to sign both. Part they, of me they, also thinks that that's some of that spags. I'm not saying all of it, but some of that is definitely like scheme, the way yeah. they design their scheme. And it's always the same thing: get pressure on the quarterback, which the Chiefs did as good as anyone in the league this year. It's easier to cover. Like, you know, like, it, it's a double-edged sword. I'm not saying one's not more important than the other. So, it, hypothetically, if you have Jalen Watson instead of Legereus Sneed next year, and obviously there are other factors, there's the draft, there's free agency, but, you know, what does that look like? How does that change your secondary? 
I think Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are probably the two and the three. And then drafted or to be determined free agent is probably I mean, the that's additional a, That's guy. from what we've seen. And, drop off, and it's a drop yeah. off. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that's this goes back to, you know, how confident are you with the other pieces on the defensive line? Because we know, hey, you got you get a pass rush. Suddenly right. your corners look a heck of a lot yes, better yes. on top of it. The Chiefs just had this perfect. Uh, fit with why they were one of the best teams in football. They not only had a pass rush, they also had the lockdown corners. But, you know, how can you help out some of the younger corners that maybe aren't as good as Legereus Sneed? Well, is Chris Jones still getting after the quarterback? Is Karloftis elevating his game? One thing, Scott, we've talked about is Karloftis right now, he's, he's coming off a 10 and a half sack season and heading into year three. And next year, is, is he going to be that same player or is there another step? Like, Right. I think most people would sign up for another 10 and a half sacks in a heartbeat, no doubt. But is there another level? Like if, it, if, if there's a chance that he can be our afternoon host, Carrington has mentioned, you know, Max Crosby or something, right? If, if, is there an, that's when it happened for Max in his third year. Right. That's why he's made the comp- I don't think so. But if there is the jump, we're going to learn next year yeah. if that jump exists. Or is he going to be just a very nice 10 year pro? Or is he going to be one of the elite pass rushers? That's a high bar. Yeah, um, that's one of the 10 best pass rushers in the league. Yeah. Um, Max Crosby, I mean, maybe one of the five best, four best yeah, pass rushers. Yeah, he's I mean, phenomenal. And I don't know. I mean, that's the answer. Is we we yeah. don't know because, A, it's only two-year sample size, and, B, obviously the point you guys made, we haven't seen it in mass without 95 on the field. And, and nobody knows. Nobody knows what Karloftis is without Chris Jones. So who's your free eight? Maybe, maybe it depends on what they do with Chris Jones, but who's right. your like number one, number two? Like, hey, I want the, I would love the Chiefs to go oh, sign this guy in free agency. You know what? I, I have not delved into it, so okay. I don't even want to. I don't yeah, want to yeah. go on record with that because I have not. You're good. I, I have not scoured the list at this point. Um, and I'm assuming Jones is going to be back, honestly. I would be really surprised if he's not. A lot of people want Mike Evans, wide receiver. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking. Oh, I thought Shit, you meant at that position. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. In general. So I, I love Mike Evans. What is it? Seven, eight straight thousand yard seasons. Yeah. Um, he's on the wrong side of 30, but he's still productive. He catches the ball, uh, which is obviously nice. Um, and and you know, the, what's fascinating about Mike Evans is I don't know, you know, he's getting to a point where he doesn't get the separation that he used to. But when you, oh, got, the age is when definitely you, when you got Patrick Mahomes, you don't need massive separation. You just need a small window and you need to hang out of the football. And he certainly fits that bill. Yeah, that's the question I have on, on Evans. He's a, I think you're right. It's like eight or ten straight thousand yard yeah. seasons yeah, or something it's, like that. It's and it's, it yeah. is. My worry with him is if it's a two or three year deal and suddenly he's 33 years right, old. Right. Do you have the same burst and separation and does it get worse? I, I know Mike Evans is probably the fan favorite right now to to suddenly be in the wide. And it would, hey, for at least Having one year, I like think it'd be phenomenal. Wide receiver yeah. would be nice. Right. Because then there's almost no way, like, if you sign a guy like Mike Evans or any other just like really solid number one wide receiver or around that range is Rice, your wide receiver unit's automatically better and has a chance to be great. Because if Mike Evans just for one year is the same, Rasheed Rice gets 10% better and you draft one that's good? Yeah. You and Kelsey's still close? I mean, you are a great receiving unit all well, of a sudden. And let's not forget it's very tempting. They won a Super Bowl with their number one wide receiver being Juju Smith Schuster. And right? with their number one wide receiver being Rasheed Rice. Right. Well, and Rasheed so Rice is really good. Like I sure. Juju Smith Schuster is just a guy. But I mean, you know, is Rasheed Rice better than Juju in year ten you know, like year six? Like, probably comparable receivers, probably for where they are now versus where they will be. I think Rice now is better than Juju with, with the Chiefs. Oh, okay. Yeah, close, Maybe not better yeah. than peak Juju. He had some really yeah. good years earlier yeah, in Pittsburgh. second year or whatever in the but, league. But Juju, Current, like, Juju yeah, as he was. And, Juju as he was yeah. with the Chiefs. That, that that's, was the, that's why it was yeah. so mystifying this year, because to me, that was an upgrade. Everything else was yeah. the same, and yet... The offense. Was... It didn't end up being the same because MVS was so much worse. Yeah, so much. He worse. took a big down slide, and then nobody got like honestly, he got worse. 
Sky Moore got worse. Yeah. Tony got worse. Like every single wide yeah. receiver absent that weren't just the same guys no, they as got last worse. year. They were worse. That's why. Yep. Kelsey even was technically less productive sure. than he had been the year before and then missed a game that he had normally missed under normal circumstances. The the running back position in free agency, we know that the conversation has been about backs not getting paid and you know, sh- should you be paying backs X amount of money? And look, Isaiah Pacheco was great. I think you get one more year out of him before maybe there's there's an is- issue there just with you know being beat up or whatever. Clyde and, and McKinnon are most likely are not back. We know there's some big names in free agency. I'm I'm kind of on the opposite side of Cody. I don't know where you're at. Uh, Eckler's a fun name, but I'm not signing up two years for seven million a year. I, I want I'm a good veteran with, back. I'm good with you know uh, an, either an undrafted free agent coming in, or if you want to find you know I'll take a risk a flyer on J.K. Dobbins who can't stay healthy, but yeah. on a one year deal with injury guarantees or something like that. Yeah, I, I think somebody is going to overpay for Eckler, and it won't be the Chiefs. Hopefully not. Yeah, um, and, and I love Austin Eckler, the player that he was, but this past year he he's wasn't that same guy. He regressed big time this last year, uh, and you know he's. Can he beat Jarek McKinnon? Sure, but you're going to pay three times as much for that. You you can find another Jarek McKinnon for a lot less than that, and then you need to find another Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which, again, not, not to, you know, th- this isn't a commentary on what Edwards-Hilaire's potential is or what he can be as a player, but what he did statistically for this team the last two years, dime a dozen. You can find those guys. Yeah, there are a million running backs available for him, but Jarek McKinnon's harder to replace. And I think you're going to need more out of the backup running back than you got the last two years because Pacheco's running style. It's nothing against just like running backs. Two years is a lifetime. Year three is scary. He's been hurt each of the last two years. He's needed surgery last year. He missed time late this year. I'm not like, I'm not saying you just pencil him in for an injury, but I'd rather have a bigger safety net than I did before. Yeah. You know, Isaiah Pacheco, is that guy ever going to get paid? Because no, after I'm four sadly, years, after four not. years or five years in Kansas City, no. you know he, he's it, it's no, you won't. And you love the way he plays, and and it makes him awesome. But man, he's going to pay the price literally down the road. They're like, yeah, you know, that's what I would do if I was the GM, though. Too, like, I don't yeah. fault them at all. No, I mean, get no, as much, get as much possible out of a guy on a rookie deal, making yeah. a, you know, by NFL standards, no money, and just yeah. go move on to the next guy after. Yeah. But I, I think they got one more strong year. Out of Pacheco. Uh, this time next year, different conversation. But I think I got one more, and we know that you you definitely have to have somebody else you can rely on a little bit in case of injury, but I don't I don't need to be paying my backup starting running back money, which is why, you know, Eckler and some people throwing out Barkley and some of these other names just don't make sense. And oh, by the way, you have the draft at your disposal, and there's no reason that you can't hit on a fourth round, fifth round sure. running back who, you know, over the next two years becomes a guy who is viable. I mean, obviously Pacheco is a diamond in the rough in the in the seventh round, but, uh, you know, there's running backs, those guys in the yeah, third, there's plenty fourth, of those sixth. guys that wind up being really good NFL players. I just, I want one veteran. One undrafted. I think they'll probably bring one veteran. Yeah, one, and, they will. They will. and look, there's a million. There are probably 15 backs this offseason that have started sometime in the last three years. Alexander Madison and Pollard haven't yeah. had success when they took over, but they're both starters. Yeah, Madison just got cut. Uh, Madison and then, got cut. And then yeah. Henry, and, like, wait, look, the list, and Eckler, the list goes on and on. I mean, there might be 10 to 15 backs who were starters sometime in the last couple of years. So veteran running back, not hard to find. I'm not saying that, but even Clyde, right, counts in that category at his game. I mean, if something, I don't know if it'll be a one-year deal, but if, if Pollard wants to sign a one-year yeah, deal, yeah, you know, with, well, with you know for five mil so with incentives, I, I, that's different. That's a whole different conversation. But I just, I'm not interested in signing any other back to a multi-year deal. I just don't think you need to.
with the way the NFL is structured and, and running back. Scott Reese of KCTV5, uh, what do you got in store, I guess, for the weekend? We know there's look, uh, sporting opens up tomorrow, right? Are you, gonna, are you guys going to be out there? Oh, yeah, we will be out there tomorrow, and now we're trying to figure out what we're going to do in two weeks when you got a Big 12 tournament, yeah. you got the current opening the stadium on the Saturday, and, and then you got a couple weeks later a potential Sweet 16 on the same day potentially as um, – opening day at the canyon oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's on a thursday so that's a potential personnel nightmare so okay. yeah we, we, we got conflicts coming in up MJ. <laughs> <laughs> you asked and, I'll, and i've answered if you need me to be on tv for you okay <laughs> all right i will take the sacrifice there you go scott thanks for coming in studio man absolutely guys it was yeah. fun Hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We'll be back at it on Monday, and uh, we will be, I'm sure, at that point, maybe new news on the free agency stuff, some rumors that could be out there, the league year getting closer and closer to starting up. CDOT and The Drive coming up next right here on 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.